Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This week in league, Peter Peters gives his desk a good sort on his way out of Manly. Sam Thorday spears himself a Brent Kite kebab. The Moor Park Sea Eagles and the Homebush Tigers prepare to exploit their home ground advantage. And we'll preview all of the action for week one of the 2011 NRL Final Series. All that and more this week in league. Welcome to episode 64 of This Week in League. I'm Nate. And I'm Glenn. Housekeeping. First thing, as it has been for the last couple of weeks, it's coming down to the wire now. Get signed up and get your team ready for the Jabra Finals Fantasy Football Competition. Enter now at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Twill Fantasy. What can they win, Glenn? They can win a Bluetooth headset worth $149.95. Recommended retail price. Yes, yes, it is. And actually, they must be close to... Being, it's actually worth much more than that, but that's the recommended retail. They must be close to launch because I actually saw a uh, an article about them on popular technology blog, Engadget.com, the other day, about three, two or three days ago. No doubt that was glowing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, well, they pretty much just used the press release. Okay. But um, <laughs> so, so yeah, it was pretty glowing. But uh, it's good to see them getting Not some Not as mainstream. glowing as the review we'll be giving them. No, and um, it's good to see him getting just some, you know, some mainstream uh, interest because as far as technology and uh, gadget blogs are concerned, um, and gadgets pretty much up there is the biggest one. So, good stuff, good stuff. So taking Sven to the masses. Exactly, Sven is going to be a household name. Going to have uh, the the housewives around the world sliding off their seats. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, what else was I going to say? With the competition, yeah, uh, I guess the finals start Friday night. So if you want to get in and uh, give yourself the opportunity to win from the very first week, you're going to have to be entered and have your team set up, ready to go by, what, 7.30 Friday night? Yes, sir. Uh, otherwise... We've cracked 106 people in the in the league so far. Yeah, yeah, and I haven't checked it for a couple of days either, so it's probably gone up since then. But what we need to... You need to make sure that you're in then. I think you'll be able to enter... Well, people will be able to enter afterwards. Well, they will actually lock off. I don't see why you would enter afterwards. How do you... Well, because, you know, we are giving like a random one away. You know, so theoretically... Oh, I guess as far as our particular competition goes, yeah. but as far as the finals fantasy goes overall, yeah, you be... want to get in before it starts, give yourself every chance of doing well. Exactly, exactly. So uh, consider Friday, 7.30, your deadline. Allow yourself a bit of time, though, to select a team because, um, as I mentioned last week, it's hard to yeah. <laughs> get seven players There's into a side. There's two trains of thought. I've probably tried to steer away from having one absolute point-scoring behemoth Yeah. and just tried to get a, a pretty good spread, as high a possible spread across all seven players. But even that's hard. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, you see other people just picking Corey Parker and a bunch of nufties. I'm sorry, I, I, got, I got Corey Parker. I'll, I'll acknowledge that much. 
and then I've got another very good high point scoring player in my side, and then I've got some good bargain buys because there's some bargains out there. All I'm going to say is, the only hint I'm going to give people is that the valuations that the players are priced at is based on what their valuation was in round 22 of the season. So the clue is, look for players that maybe only came good in the last four rounds of the season that are in teams that are bound for the finals because there is definitely some value to be had there. Very interesting. Trust me on this. I've got, I mean, the other train of thought is that because six out of seven players count, you pick six players and just pick one guy that's not going to play and, you know, it stuffs you if you, you know, if you need him as an emergency. Yeah. But, you know, you're funneling all your money into six players rather than seven. Mm-hmm. All my guys, though, play 80 minutes. So I'm pretty happy. Fair enough. Oh, fair. Actually, my prop probably has a rest now and then. But my side that, needs a little bit of tweaking, but, um, you know. But I only literally just, I've been signed up for like, two, what, two, three weeks, and I only literally did it like last Friday, and I sat there for fucking ages trying to get around my head to figure out how, and the thing is, you can't click onto other people's teams, I don't think, and you can't see who they got, because there's no yeah, head-to-head, so there's no your, point in that. Do it off that. your own bat. Exactly, so you can't get a clue like you know, how people are going to do it, but in any case. It should be fun, though. It'll be interesting to see, certainly in the first week, um, the teams that people come up with, and... Hopefully, uh, we'll get some good scores, some good higher scores, and uh, we'll get some pretty awesome prizes out to some fantasy champions. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I'd probably be the second second best person because I'm going to go pretty well, um, and I'm not, eligible, I'm not eligible to win, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, get in there, bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Twill Fantasy. If you want to go to the web, don't want to go through that way, you go to the website, you just go to thisweekinleague.com and scroll back probably, you know, five or six posts and they'll, and you'll see, well, actually, even with all recent episodes, you'll see the details about the competition on there, um, some details about the prizes, what exactly the Jabra Sport is, you know, some of the technical specs of, of the device and everything, and um, and also I'll link off to their site so you can check out all the info and the, uh, whatever else they've got on there. Sven, on the Jabra website Drop itself. say hi to Sven. Exactly. Okay. See if we can tee up some signed photographs. All right, and uh, now the regular season's ended. Nude, of course. <laughs> regular <laughs> regular season's ended, so uh, it's time for us to think about uh, compiling the annual Twilly M Awards. You'll remember last season uh, there was there was some triumph, and there was some glory, and there was some sadness in the case of Glenn when when Lottie didn't bring home the revelation of the two thousand ten NRL season. Absolute unbridled fury. And that those awards had been rigged. There was only two people involved. By, and I certainly didn't rig them. By by all by all of our listeners, they rigged the award. Yes, because <laughs> Lottie got about what well, I think a thirty percent of the vote, maybe if that, for the revelation award. Clearly, I didn't vote enough. The winner got double, um, and it was audited by uh, a uh, a CPA. The yes. results <laughs> being my wife. Um, so there was the results were. Uh, Beyond reproach, let's say. Do you have any uh, housekeeping? Uh, I spoke last week about a little behind-the-scenes project that we've got cooking up at the moment, and there should be more about that released this week. Um, we're hoping. We have some people which are uh, frantically trying to make this all happen prior to the finals, um, if not definitely for week two of the finals. Well, how will the announce if it happens this week? Will it be just like over Twitter and Facebook? Yeah, or will Twitter we hold and off and announce it on the show next week? As soon as it comes on board, whatever it might be, okay, it'll be on Twitter and Facebook and the website. All right, done. Oh, and finally, thanks again to 
at MMA underscore Dave underscore Mac, Dave MacDonald, the fight MC, who did the intro for the show. We had a lot of good feedback about it, and um, it was a bit of fun uh, for it was, us. To I enjoyed it. it. Yeah, and, uh, and listeners enjoyed it too. So uh, it's good. Thanks again, Dave. What a legend. News. First story. The Dally M's have come and gone again for season 2011. Or the Benji M's, as they should have been known. As they should have been known, but aren't known, because unfortunately for the Benji fans, of which there is one of them sitting next to me, Billy Slater is the Dally M, wins the Dally M medal for Player of the Year. Well deserved. Yeah, well, a surprise to me. I mean, I knew he'd be one of the guys up there. I knew he'd be sort of top, you know, top three or top four player. Made even more impressive by the fact that he's got two absolute champion players that play alongside him, taking points off him every week. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Very like that's that's a sign of a quality season, right there. <laughs> um, Benji was a, was the hot favourite, obviously because of you know great patch of form he's had in the last sort of five or six weeks of the season as it turns out it wasn't enough and he and Benji didn't actually pick up any points in round 26 which I mean we were, we were sort of speaking about it you know off the air I wasn't expecting him to I, I was expecting was to pick up it, a point or, based on the work he did all the way up to round 26 but yeah 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 the big surprise is that Glenn Stewart was actually a contender I don't think anyone ever mentioned Glenn Stewart as being a contender for no, the for the award um, and basically that brawl that took place cost him any chance. Uh, he was suspended for three matches, which means uh, you lose uh, for for a suspension. You lose three points per per suspension uh, suspended match, and so he lost nine points. That meant that he finished on eighteen points. Whereas if he hadn't have been suspended, he would have had those nine points. So that would have been twenty seven points, which had him equal with Benji Marshall. Plus, he would have uh, been able to poll votes in rounds twenty five and twenty six. And uh, you would imagine that against the Storm. And uh, you know, and and against the and against yeah, the Broncos, point he would two have, weeks. <laughs> exactly, that's ab- that is absolutely incredible. I mean, Slater had twenty nine overall, mm. so I mean, but the odds of of uh, Glenn Stewart picking up two points over three rounds, well, sorry, over two rounds would have been, you know, reasonably high. Definitely. I mean, you know, just to be the third best player in two consecutive games, Jesus, and the man, he's been man of the match in enough games that you know it's possible too. Sure. Amazing. Um, and like you said, he wasn't even mentioned, really. Yeah, as not, far as... not a single person mentioned him as a, as a contender. I guess with the suspension, they knew it took him. But Yeah, I... and historic, and, and you know, history will show that he finished fairly far back in the pack. But, you know, when you, when you look at the the reasons why, and, I mean, just even the nine points he lost through suspension alone, that's incredible. Um, some of the other results of the Dalliums this season. Uh, Billy Slater, he also got the fullback of the year and team of the year. The winger... Uate Parte, very well deserved. Centre, Jamie Lyon. I, I'd hoped for it, but I didn't. I honestly, I didn't expect it. Yeah, um, I, I wasn't expecting him, but, but I'm, I'm amazing. I guess there's a few other candidates, but he, it's well deserved. He's had a good season. Yep. Uh, some of these other positions: five eighth halfback, prop and hooker, all very predictable. Five eighth Benji Marshall, halfback Cooper Cronk, prop Matt Scott, hooker Cameron Smith. I don't think anyone would argue with any of those. You know, and they're very very predictable. Definitely. Second row, I guess that's you know second row is kind of a hotly contested position. Uh, Sam Thiday, the winner though. Lock Paul Gallon, which no one could probably argue no with. No brainer. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, captain Cameron Smith, coach Craig Bellamy. So. 
I guess uh, in that respect, the Storm <laughs> swept they swept the Spine Awards, captain and coach. So I guess the NRL or at least the judging panel are kind of uh, acknowledging the fact that they've got to the minor premiership without cheating, or you know, until we find out in three or four years that they have been. I guess but, it's, uh, it's you know uh, a bit of a unannounced acceptance back into the fold. Yeah, yeah. Really. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Rep Player of the Year, Cameron Smith again. Jeez, uh, wow. storm, it was, yeah. Cleaning up. Yeah, Rookie of the Year. My favourite one, Daly Cherry Evans, as as I expected. But, um, you know. Kudos to him, too. He's had a great year. Um, Tarek Sims would have voted fairly, would have polled fairly high in those votes as well. But Yeah. Um, Jack Reed would have up until about Origin, too. Then he fell right off, I thought. He's had a couple of good, season, good, good games to uh, close out the season, but there was that patch just after Origin where he really went into a bit of a lull as you, you expect from a rookie player but he, he blasted out of the blocks that hard that he sort of thought he was going to go on with it yep yep but uh, Cherry I'll tell you I'm, I'm almost as excited about him as a halfback prospect as, uh, as like you know the first time I saw Tubi mm. uh, he's sensational Proven Summons Award went to Nathan Hindmarsh Peter Fullingos Memorial Paul Gallen Toyota Cup Player of the Year Jack DeBellin Top Try Scorer Nathan Merritt oh there you go Barber didn't get it Point scorer. You tell lies. Chris Sandow. Yeah, well, I was surprised Benji didn't get the top point scorer if he, you know, had been able to kick goals and stuff. <laughs> I wonder how close he came. <laughs> I mean, the Tigers haven't really put And he on. needed 16 points. Out of the last round. Yeah. Shit, he did miss a couple too, didn't he? Yeah. Not, they still wouldn't have got him 16 points. He would have got another six to eight points maybe. True. So, yeah, not good enough. A couple of tries. And then he might have got the Dally M too because he might have got some points in the good, last game. Good night. It's a good opportunity for the game to put a bl- bit of glitz and glamour and you know a bit of a different perspective on some of the players we see battle it out and blood sweat and tears on the field every week and um, a lot of those awards are, are well deserved the rookie of the year one as you mentioned with Dale good effort <laughs> you just brought Nathan that up Highmarsh. so you can say Dale <laughs> Nathan Highmarsh wins another Proven Summons medal um, again well deserved he's just proving he's a champion on and off the field uh, Jack DeBellin for the Toyota Player of the Year. Surprised Jacob Miller didn't get that, but anyway. It won't matter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it won't matter. He'll make up for it with a couple of premierships in the next couple of years. Jacob he'll, Miller. He'll sink like a rock. Champion of the people. <laughs> um, and Nathan Merritt really stormed home to win that tri-scorer's title. He got eight tries in two games there. That was the difference right there, yeah, like in under a week. Won him the tri-scoring award. Um, Sandow hang on to win the point scorer of the year and I, I don't think anyone can really argue with the team of the year it's pretty, uh, it was pretty cut and dried I think those guys have all had outstanding seasons um, and big rap to Craig Bellamy say what you want about the Storm and what's gone on in the past but f- for him to do what he's done with some of those players in that side is, is every bit deserving of Coach of the Year awards so good luck to him No luck to him hope they lose every game from this point on Next story, Sam Thiday to miss the rest of the season. Brisbane Stars, Sam Thiday will miss the rest of the NRL season, a.k.a. two finals games for Brisbane Broncos <laughs> after entering an early guilty plea to his nice. dangerous throw charge. He tried to do the right thing this time. He came in as the first man in, but unfortunately he can't even do that right. The Queensland and Australian forward was charged with a grade two dangerous throw for his lifting tackle on manly prop Brent Kite on Sunday. 
Brisbane today made the decision to take the early plea after seeking legal advice and poring over hours of video of lifting tackles. Club officials had considered going to a judiciary hearing with the hope of getting the charge downgraded, in which case he would have escaped a suspension and been free to play in Saturday night's first qualifying final against the Warriors at Suncorp Stadium. However, they deemed the risk of having an extra week added to Thiday's ban was not worth taking. Coach Anthony Griffin will name Thiday's replacement today, which we believe has already been named, and it's Ben Teo, I think. Yes. Griffin will also name Jared Beal at fullback after scans yesterday confirmed Josh Hoffman's season is over after he ruptured his posterior cruciate ligament playing against Manly on the weekend. Any comments about Sam's tackle? Fair punishment? I think there had to be a punishment handed down. I was actually a bit surprised when they didn't challenge it, um, given that, you know, you look at the Dave, Dave Taylor incident, I guess... Sam's tackle wasn't a million miles away from Dave Taylor's and yeah, Dave Taylor got five weeks. So yeah. they they obviously took the risk into account and decided it wasn't worth fighting um, and possibly copying that extra week. So uh, it's one of those moments in a game where, you know, that it's a very, very thin line between Thiday picking Kite up and, and dumping him on his ass and everyone saying what a great tackle it was. Yeah. Potential momentum changer in a game or whatever. Um, you know, you skip across the other side of the line and the guy gets dumped on his head and he's out for the next two weeks. It's a very, very fine line. And well, they didn't you, even have you the step, defense. You that... step further over and the guy's in a wheelchair. Yeah, exactly right. And that's why these rules are in place. And exactly. That's why it, you know, the NRL actively look to deter those sorts of tackles out of the game. Um, I was, you know, the Broncos, they didn't even have that defense where there was multiple plays in the tackle. It was yeah. it was one-on-one. It's not like one guy was um, going one way, one guy was the other way. Yeah, guy, that's yeah. right. And there was you know that sort of defense where it, things got out of control, but there was another party at play as well. So um, I think they might struggle, to be honest. I think um, certainly against the Warriors this weekend, a wide-running back rower with the, the force that Thiday runs the ball, um, and also the help that he gives Lockie in defence is going to be sorely missed for the Broncos against the Warriors and um, you know whoever the next opponents might be. I think they, um, you know, there's, there's, he's going to be sorely missed. He's an international, mm-hmm. an Origin player, and he brings a lot of uh, a lot of passion to that side. And and some of the younger forwards, younger, younger players in the team do lift off him. So um, you know they'll miss him. I'm not saying he's, he's you know they're going to fall in a heap, but it's definitely a, a, a big loss to overcome for them. I agree. And I think the the, the reason why the Match Review Committee only uh, placed it at a two-week uh, limit is because it was very similar to the ballpark. It was in the same same neighbourhood as the as the uh, Dave Taylor five-week one. But if they had gone five weeks, then they may have, you know, gone in all guns... Well, they would have gone in all guns blazing sure. to try and get it overturned. So this one was kind of like... I think it was an acceptable compromise of punishment for them and also an acceptable compromise of punishment for the Broncos because, you know, clearly there was a case to answer. Sure. Next story, the home finals debate. NRL boss David Gallup has stood by the decision to shift Sydney finals from suburban grounds to the larger ANZ Stadium and Sydney Football Stadium despite heavy criticism of the move. At the start of the season, all 16 NRL clubs agreed to the shift to the larger venues for semi-finals would be a step in the right direction for the game. But yesterday, as the NRL officially launched the start of this year's final series, the decision was met with anger. Manly skipper Jamie Lyon hit out the change. Unhappy, the Seagulls have to give up a home final at Brookvale Oval to take on the Cowboys at the Sydney Football Stadium on Saturday night. Tigers coach Tim Sheens also weighed in, expressing his concerns to Triple M's rush hour yesterday afternoon. 
Last year, the Tigers earned the right to a home semi-final in week one, but in a bid to attract a large crowd and promote the game, they opted to play the Sydney Roosters at the Sydney Football Stadium. The move backfired, with the Tigers losing an epic golden point battle and missing out on the week off before the preliminary final. This year, despite finishing the top four, the Tigers have no choice but to follow the NRL's choice of venue, giving up any territorial advantage by playing against the Dragons at ANZ Stadium. It's, I guess there's probably two points of view. Certainly, from the point of view of a Tigers fan, which I can speak for, um, you wouldn't mind seeing them play at Leichhardt. Or Campbelltown, exactly. for that matter. But, yeah, yeah. Um, Leichhardt you know, especially, because Leichhardt's, you know, it's a similar sort of... Um, well, it has adva- that, that adva- same sort of aura about it as yeah, a Brookvale yeah. or, or, um, or a Cogra or whatever, yep. you know, urban sort of ground or suburban ground that you want to throw into the into the mix. But as a footy fan, this is a, his final series every year is a showpiece of the game and, and they need to extract as many dollars out of it as they can for the, for the good of the game. But it's hard for me at this time of year to look through any sort of coloured glasses other than black and orange at the moment. It yep. is disappointing, but, um, you know, for 26 weeks, these teams bust their ass and, and go out every week and, and you know, strive to, to win games to put themselves in a position to finish in the top four and get that home final. And I think some of that advantage for teams that really do have a, a suburban ground where that sort of home field advantage is you can actually account for it and it, yeah. it's something that you can take into consideration and certainly something that opposition teams will have in the back of their mind. Um, you know, it's not like, with all due respect to, to South and the Bulldogs, if they're playing their home home final at Homebush or whatever, you know, that's that's what they do every week. Exactly. You know, that, you know if they were drawing 50,000 50, there every week, then that becomes a real advantage for them. But the, yep. the fact is they're not. Exactly. And, you know, 20-something thousand at Brookvale or 20,000 at, at Leichhardt is, is a hell of an atmosphere and it's a hell of an advantage to, to those teams. But, you know, for the betterment of the game, they've made that decision. It's, it's you know, I just want to see the Tigers win home finals. <laughs> yeah. You know, as, as a Tigers fan, I just want to see them win. And yep. any advantage that they can get to go towards them winning the game, then I'm all for. Yep. Um, but having said that, I'm also a big advocate of the players being pl- paid what they're worth um, and the game growing at the grassroots level and and really taking some massive strides forward. So um, you can't really have one without the other. So you've got to make that sacrifice. And the Tigers did it last year and they'll do it again this year. And, and you know... Well, yeah. They, they, they did agree to it at the there's, start there's of the three, year. Yeah, there's, there's three points to make. One, the CEOs all agreed on this. So... Yeah. Graham Lowe, and who's the CEO of your lot? Uh, Steve Humphreys. They sold their fucking teams out. Simple as that. And they're the, and the blame lies solely at their feet because if they didn't think it was going to be an issue, or if they did think it was going to be an Same issue... Same would have applied for Penrith had they made the finals. Yep. I so, don't think many teams would want to go to CUA Stadium and play a, home, play a final out there. Yeah. I mean, um, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, same, same for Dragons. I mean, yeah, they yeah. would choose Cogra or something like that, you know. I mean, and, you know, let's, sh- let's and Sharks, forget. let's face it, I mean, it's easy for them to sign their, in Paris, it's easy for them to sign their lives away because I mean, like, they're going to make the finals anyway. But um, for teams that actually have a genuine shot, you know, being like, you know... But this whole, the whole Manly situation Tigers. started because in 09, the Dragons wouldn't move their game away from Cogra yeah. 
to, and, to accommodate a bigger crowd to, to facilitate para fans when para was on that massive run. And, massive this is, loss. and, and that was the second point I was going to make is that the reason why Gallup uh, has, has changed the policy was that um, they didn't want to turn people away, you know, because the, the, the field, the ground was full and all the tickets were sold. Mm-hmm. The response to that I have is if people want to become, you know, want to come to the games, bandwagon people, f- fuck them essentially, mm. become a member of your club. You get the adv- advantageous position to be able to buy tickets the day before anyone else. Sure. And you will get to, the, I've, ever since I've been a member, I've never missed out on a single ticket that I've wanted to any finals game, grand final, anything. If you're a member of your club, you're going to do it. If you're a bandwagon person that only starts to want to go to games when they actually get into the finals, then fucking take your chances. Yeah, they're you don't the ones probably, the members If are anyone's the ones going to miss out, it should be them. <laughs> the members are the ones that are financially you know, contributing to their clubs. They deserve the advantage to get into the grounds before the other before the other, you know, bandwagon people. And so if you're not a member of your club, don't fucking cry when you can't get a ticket. End of story. Valid point. And uh that's really that's all we really had to say about it. I mean, at the end of the day, Graham Lowe, he sold the team out. He's not there anymore. Yeah, I think that's a bit harsh to say he sold the team out, but um, you know, they agreed you know, all sixteen CEOs agreed to it at the start of the year. Um, you know, with the betterment of the game in mind and you know, we're just going to well, so, live with so, it. So, so David wouldn't have to turn people away from fields. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> and and you know, it could have been it could have been fourteen. It could have been fourteen and two. I mean, it should have been fourteen and six, fourteen and seven. You know, with because the only teams that actually affects are the Sydney teams. Mm. Melbourne can still get to play out of their ground. Titans, I would imagine, would still get to play out of Skilled. Broncos, obviously, they get to play out of Suncorp. Cowboys would still get to play out of up there, mm. dairy farmers. Kiwis would still get to play out of New Zealand. Yeah, good point. So it's not like it's been administered fairly and it's not like half the teams in the competition had something to lose in the first place. So it's easy for those teams to to go, oh, yeah, cool, yeah, the Sydney teams can play uh, fucking SFS yeah, and their, ANZ. I guess if if they're thinking they finish in the bottom half of the eight, it works for them, doesn't it? So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And if, they, and if they don't, who gives a shit because they got their home ground anyway and it doesn't affect them signing it away because they're signing other teams' rights away? I guess it doesn't really affect Manly as much being away from Brookvale and playing the Cowboys because just as many Manly fans are going to get... Um, or Possibly. Sorry, just as many Cowboys fans are going yeah, to get Cowboys to... Yeah, Cowboys fans. To ANZ but Manly fans. Or SFS are going to get at Brookvale. Getting so. from the northern beaches to, to Moore Park is not the easiest thing. And it's not like... I mean... You know, when we sit it's up, it's a lot here, easier than getting there from Townsville. Well, yeah, but we sit we sit here in Brisbane, and I mean, if you if we want to get to um like a, a Broncos game or a final, anything happens at Lang Park, we can go to a shopping centre, get on a free bus, we can go to a train station, get on a free train, and shit goes directly to the ground. I'm surprised that Sydney doesn't do that. You can walk, you can walk from Central Station to the Sydney Football Stadium, but it's not a short walk. I mean, like you got to commit to it. I mean, it takes like half an hour. Um. But I was talking to some Manly guys today on Twitter and you can get on like a train to go to um, ANZ. I mean, that's what I've done when I go to grand finals. That's what I do too is get a train straight from the airport. But um, you can't do I mean, there's no there's no way directly. You've got to do a couple of modes of transport to get from Manly to, to Moore Park. Don't they and just they don't, run a ferry out and there? They don't, and they don't, well, there's a ferry that takes you to the quay. Can't you just get a ferry to Homebush? Isn't that how it works? Well, I mean, if they dug, dug a massive trench from the harbour all the way out there, <laughs> but that wouldn't help you get into Moore Park either. <laughs> so, um, 
so yeah, it's not like it's as, as easy. And that's the other argument. Sorry, Manly. I mean, they say that you know the crowd's tipped to be about twenty thousand, which is like under the capacity of Brookvale anyway. Yeah. So that's that's the kicker for me. So instead of having a a, a seething full Brookvale Oval like it was with that Melbourne Storm game where the atmosphere was just incredible, it's going to be a half full SFS, mm. which is fucking stupid. And it's not the it's not the advertisement for the game that they put this rule in place to provide. Sure. So, I mean, and and ANZ's fucking massive stadium, and I mean Dragons got a lot of fans, Tigers got a lot of fans. But shit, they'll struggle to sell it out. Well, they got seventy thousand there for the for the preliminary final last year. Uh, there's a fair bit of hype behind this game. They're only talking fifty. Yeah. Um, and fifty's you know, half full. SFS is forty. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'd probably take the SFS as as more of a home ground advantage in the ANZ. But well, that's right. I mean, SFS would be because I mean, you guys play, have played home games out of there before. I mean, I don't think you played as many out of there this year. Not but, as um, many. Because, I mean, you, you've had, you know, Leichhardt and Campbelltown to, to split your time between. But, um, yeah. Anyway, it's done now. It is. And, uh, yeah, thanks, CEOs. Next story, Zorba leaves the building. The iconic Sea Eagles media manager, former player, and one-eyed rugby league commentator will part ways with his beloved Manly after the finals. After four days of crisis talks, Peter Peters met with Chief Operating Officer David Perry and Chairman and Nephew Scott Penn earlier today to thrash out a redundancy package. The club bosses were at pains to point out that his comment to journalist Megan Barnard, in which Peters described her as a good sort, was not the reason for the decision. But they're aware that Seagulls fans and club legends will have a hard time believing this. That was an isolated incident, but it's not the reason. In isolation, it's not that bad, Perry told the Manly Daily. The business is under pressure financially and we're looking at going in a more contemporary direction. I understand what people would think why people would think he's been harshly done by. We apologise to all the supporters and the members. When pressed on what a more successful and contemporary Sea Eagles club would look like, Perry nominated his former employers at St. George as the right business model. Of course he did. Well, I mean, Perry got the you know, St. George well and truly on the right track as far as the business behind the the, the team. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm hoping he does well, do not the not a bad business model to work from. Yeah, I mean, and, I'm, and I'm hoping, and that's why he was appointed to the job. Because the guy's clearly a, a you know a very capable rugby league administrator, and um, you know Manly is, is, is as successful as the Dragons, so there's no reason why you know why they can't be as good business behind the football side as well. Sure. Um, and so I, I, I sp- smell a rat though. I don't. I don't really. He's been there forty odd years, and I heard uh, exactly. And I, and I heard him on the radio today saying that. Uh, the other week, before this comment was had come out, the good sort thing came out. He was uh, they, he sat down with Perry and he sort of said, you know, where do you, you know, what do you see your future or whatever? And he said, oh, you know, uh, you know, for another five years or you know something. Like that. And then Perry was like visibly shocked because Zorba's not getting on. Yeah, <laughs> he's not getting any younger anyway. I mean, yeah. like he's well, he's sixty six. I heard. Yeah, yeah. On this podcast this last week or so. so. Yeah. So um, look, I mean, ironically, that, that, finished off the, the last podcast. With uh, something because obviously the the good sort comment had come up. Yep. And they discussed it at length, and then when he signs off, he said, "I'm the, where do you think I'm going? I'm not going anywhere." Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Um, he's a bit of a he's a character. He's much loved by Manly and, and a lot of players within the club. Um, just the timing of it. I guess, you know, there's no reason why it couldn't have been kept in-house and, and exactly. maybe come out in the off-season or yeah. something like that. Or negotiated in the off-season. Yeah. There's no... I just... Yeah, they can say they understand why people would think that, but 
I mean, when it comes the week after the good sort thing, yeah, it's it's not a good look. They probably could have handled that side of it a little bit better, but a decision is a decision, and they've made it, and they'll stick by it. Um, and like you say, if it's all part of the grand plan for for um, Manly to, to become a force off the field financially and, and be able to attract um, some more lucrative sponsorships and et cetera that aren't sort of people that are actively yep. employed by the club, sponsoring the club as well. Yep. Um, it's got to be good for, for Manly as a whole and the, certainly their fans and members and all the rest of it, they'll get the benefits of that down the track. Yep. And I don't have a massive problem. I, mean, a lot of, I know a lot of people do and a lot of people are like, oh, we're not going to renew our memberships for 2012, blah, blah, blah. But people need to understand as well that there's, you know, there's been good sides and bad sides as well. And um, the bad sides aren't exactly, you know, terribly, you know, public. But there's been administrators and, you know, people have tried to get rid of him for, you know, over the years before. Mm. And he's, you know, managed to survive, you know, generally through tight associations, you know, with the coaches and then, you know, like guys like Desi and the players, you know, Arco, Bob Fulton, people like that. Um, well, Bob Fulton come out and, and had some pretty harsh words to say about the club. Yeah, and talking about today. faceless men, I mean, that's that sort of shit is pretty destructive, yeah. I think. I mean, let it go, you know, stick with the referee's decision. There's no there's no faceless people. I mean, it's pretty fucking clear and, and well-publicised who the board are. Yeah. The board are the ones who made the decision. Perry's the guy that, um, you know, was part of the decision and delivered the, the decision. I mean, everyone knows who the board is. They're not faceless people. Mm. And if Bozo's got an issue, then, you know... Keep it in here. Keep it out of there. Keep it out of the media. I mean, it's not it's not helpful. Um, that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, I, it just on the good sort comment. For starters, I mean, she's freaking hot. But yeah. <laughs> it was a fairly misplaced comment, given the fact that everything that was going on with Manly with the fight, and for all his years, forty years or whatever, he's been involved in the media and and within the Manly club. He's admitted himself he, he should have known better. Yeah. He does know better. Um, and like you've said, you'd, you know, I'm not sure that I buy into the to the media vendetta against Manly as much as you do, but there is there is definitely some merit to it. There's some pretty destructive and pretty pointless stories. You can provide examples. I can there. provide a clear time oh, no examples doubt. for you. But, I mean, even just like the last two weeks, like, you know, the Storm thing, that's all fine. I mean, you know, and they they went fucking. Well, that banana. that wouldn't have mattered. They went bananas over that. I mean, yeah. fucking bananas over it. Then the good sort statement came out, and no one raised that, except for the Daily Telegraph, mm. who turned in this massive thing like Zorba's got to be sacked for this. Mm. Then when he gets sacked, it's starts printing things from like you know Bob Fulton and that saying he shouldn't have been sacked, and oh isn't it terrible he's been sacked? And then I, just, the thing I don't the, understand right if. Like it's not just you that has this thing about the the Daily Telegraph having this vendetta against Manly, but Bob Fulton, an immortal, yeah, and still actively involved with the Manly club, yeah. Why would he talk to the Daily Telegraph and and give give well, you he's know, not, fuel he, on the fire of well, a story Because he, like he's not really actively he's not actively involved with the Manly club. I mean, he's a broadcaster. You know, he's with Hadley and that now. I mean, Hadley fucking hates Manly like you know white hot. You know, he could work for Daily Telegraph. He hates Manly so much. Um, and then you see the final thing is when they came out, the Sydney Morning Herald had the story that um, that I read uh, earlier about the the home ground thing where Tim Sheens co- was complaining about it and Jamie Lyon was complaining about it. Daily Telegraph runs a story and it's only Jamie Lyon's complaining about it. Mm. So, you know, it's just ridiculous. They fucking spin it the way they want. 
burn that fucking piece of shit rag to the ground, no doubt, I say. No doubt Zorba will fall on his feet and he'll um, continue with the rest of his career in the media. Well, you know, he's still his broadcasting career and all of that sort of yeah. thing. Um, you know, maybe journalists will have to work harder to find stories out about Manly. Because, I mean, he won't be his forthcoming. But, um, you know, we'll see who gets appointed into... Well, given that he was made redundant, there, there can't be a media... Manager. Media manager role. Might be a digital uh, eagle. Well, that exists already. And, you know, and, and, you know, with all due respect, a digital eagle is not, you know, qualified, is not a qualified public relations or journalist who's, you know, for delivering that sort of, you know, for press briefings and things like that. Yeah. Oh, well, it'll be interesting to see which way they handle it. Agreed. Hopefully, it leaves Orbe with a bit of dignity well, I mean, yeah, after he's left the place. Even just let, just let Scott Penn handle it, you know. I mean, he's done public stuff, you know. He, he's done announcements for the club on the club's behalf before. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, get David Perry a bit more visible. I mean, he hasn't really, you know, he's been very quiet since he took over in June um, from Graham Lowe. Uh, so, I wouldn't mind seeing a bit more of him. He seems like he's uh, got a reasonably uh, smart head on his shoulders. He's no Stephen Humphreys, but hey. Recaps kicked off Friday night football. St. George Illawarra Dragons 32 defeated the Penrith Panthers 12. Big win to the Dragons over a Penrith side that lost all interest at halftime. And in doing so, they saved themselves certain elimination in the first round of the playoffs. Penrith aimed up early, but it was the Dragons who opened the scoring with two tries to Brett Morris, both converted from wide out by the cat in the hat. And it was 12-0 at halftime. Penrith struck back through Blake Austin to briefly get a sniff of a contest, but it was all over shortly after as the Dragons buried the Panthers with further tries to Soward, Nightingale and Matt Cooper. Lockie Coote grabbed a try late to bring the margin a little closer before Mitch Rain finished the scoring off with a slightly dodgy try to end the game. In the end, fairly comfortable win to the Dragons, 32 points to 12. Yeah, poor old Petro. Tore his breast. Tore his titty. Tore his titty. <laughs> Cruel waiter for him to finish his time at Penrith. Jeez, he's had, a, he's had a shit last couple of weeks, so hey, like, just with, you know, the off-field stuff and him slagging, you know, the board, and it's been a pretty... Um... Something, like, the only other real drama that he's really been involved with was when he when they announced that he wasn't going to be staying on at the Broncos. I feel like he handled that fairly professionally, but I guess he's probably not accustomed to how things are done in the western suburbs of Sydney. Yeah, I guess. Public cat fights and bitching and hair pulling and... <laughs> glassing and all that sort of stuff but yeah it's you know would have liked to have seen him you know finish the game and, and you know play out his stints in the game and, and play well hopefully and say a nice uh, nice goodbye to the game that way but unfortunately he finished with a bunch of ice on his breast and and that was that he's going to have five or six months rehab and it doesn't, doesn't look real pretty <laughs> no no the Broncos will certainly miss out uh on some of the new signing as well. Yeah, I just I just think that nullified any real chance Penrith were going to be in the game, given that their only real chance to get at the Dragons was via the forwards, and when they lost their their most inspirational forward leader, they you know they they didn't really have the heart to go on with it. Some ominous no- signs for the Dragons as a unit that it just it seems they're waiting to just be unleashed on the rest of the top eight. But um, you know I don't think we can read too much into their form over the last few months now that the finals are here. I think, you know, given the Tigers play them this coming week, it's 
you know, even if you look at this game, it had solid contributions from Soward, Cooper, Boyd and Morris and those sorts of players that are, are going to be, you know, front and centre when it comes to making any noise in the finals. And then on top of that, I, I've got to say I'm most worried about Wayne Bennett's contribution to this final series yeah. um, and to the Dragons as a whole. And, you know, more so than I am worried about individual players. Yep. I, I think he he's the one that gets them over the line. And, um, you know, as we said last week, he, he did a similar thing. And the, the way the Broncos went into the finals in 2006 was in much the same vein as how the Dragons have this year. And they went on one in the comp and, and looked very good in doing so. So I'm, I'm very wary of the Dragons. And I think they showed some more signs this week that they are... You know, heading back to where they to the side that they were at the start of this season and, and all of last season. So, um, I mentioned Brett Morris. He seems to have found his finishing mojo again. Yeah, gee, some piss poor defence down that side. There him was in, a couple of ordinary attempts at tackle. I just, I just don't know that Cooper's going to be the guy to get him enough ball. No, to no. Um, to. I'm not Cooper's sure how like he Cooper, got. Was, how much was Cooper injured last year that Morris scored so many shots? He mustn't have played a game. I mean, Cooper's, <laughs> Cooper's like Zoolander. I mean, like, it's not that like he can't turn left, he can't pass left. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's shocking. And I mean, how frustrating would it be to be, you know... I haven't seen Zoolander either. Yeah, I, I saw the fucking glaze look in your eyes and I thought, I'm just going to plough through. You seem to be gracious and sort of go, <laughs> like, you got it. But then you just you just dubbed yourself yeah, into shit. that's it. I saw I bring that out. It was topical. <laughs> yeah. But this week, Glenn hasn't seen... Zoolander. It's <laughs> <That's> another <laughs> podcast. For, for people keeping score of the movies he hasn't seen that everyone else in the world has seen. I've always forgotten all the good... <laughs> which ones you haven't seen now? I mean, I just oh, assume, there's so many. I assume you haven't seen anything except for sports movies. Yeah, maybe, exactly. Like Rocky and stuff. <laughs> good point. Good point. No, look, again, the Dragons took some more steps, but um, it all ends this week, unfortunately, for Dragons. Or begins anew. We'll find out the mystery of the finals. <laughs> over to Twitter not a lot on this one I have a feeling it's because everyone uh, everywhere they played the um, the, the other game first yep. everyone watched that that was the game that had some ramifications for the finals I guess and uh, everyone just went to bed I think I think so I was uh, knackered I know that much Mr. Bowles sent us a sent us a message though and he seems to be a um, a Penrith fan given he's got a his, <laughs> his uh, display picture on Twitter is a Pertel jersey it says, uh, Panthers put Matty Bell in tears and drop him for 12 minutes of that has-been Petro. Not a good look. Bring on 2012. So now Petro's a has-been in, wow. in the hearts of Penny Panthers supporters. Haven't they changed their tune? Not good. Dragons fans, they must all went to bed too. Did I say wet the bed? Went to bed. Went to bed? Wet the bed. Potato, potato. Tomato, tomato. When it comes to Dragons fans. <laughs> Second game, Newcastle Knights. This was the game. Newcastle Knights, 40 Defeated the South Sydney Rabbitohs 24. The scent of quality finals football was in the air as these two sides took the field for, a, for a defence-oriented battle royale to see who would take the final spot in the top eight for season 2011. As the 64 points scored in the game would indicate. As it turns out, that smell must have been coming from the future because there was nothing at all <laughs> of that sort on the field <laughs> in this game. The was nice... a smell. <laughs> The Knights heard the opening whistle and commenced a blitzkrieg on the hapless Rabbits, opening the scoring in the seventh minute through Isaac DeGoyce. The Avalanche then continued with tries shortly after to Kafusi and Houston, giving the Knights an 18-0 lead after only a quarter of an hour of play. The Rabbitohs grabbed their first try of the match shortly after, a simple try to Corrigan, 18-6. 
The Knights, they finish off the half with another flurry with two tries to the Uate Parte, giving them a 30 points to six lead going into Oranges. Second half, eight minutes in, and it was Uate again collecting his third try of the night and chalking up another hat trick like good wingers do. South then began their comeback with Merritt grabbing a try in the 55th minute, then McQueen scoring in the 65th minute to bring them closer at 34-18 with 15 minutes to play. In the 73rd minute, they crept closer still through a try again to Merritt, reducing the margin to just 10 points. But that was as close as they got, and right on full time, Uate streaked away to get his fourth try of the night, and following the conversion from Adam McDougall, the Knights ran away with it, 40-24. to 24. The big toe poke from the big back. Toe. <laughs> I mean, thanks. Oh, it was Mick Cronin. I mean, thanks, thanks. Uh, m- much love to Uate for you know, bringing it around yeah. a little bit for him. <laughs> it's only that McDougall's probably older than Mick Cronin. <laughs> right, I mean, yeah. Kicks it's the same. The old toe poke. I mean, who's the last person that was really, I mean. Meninga. Was it Meninga? Was, was he the dead last one? I think so. I think I've, I think so. I just was it someone like Corey Parker? Was he rolling the rolling with the toe pokes and then, you know, sort no, of, and then really? flipped then flipped up the style, you know, and then learnt to do it, you know, nah. around the corner way. I don't think Corey there was Parker some, was toe poking. There it. was someone. I'm not sure if it's a current player, but it's certainly a recent player who was a toe poker and then they adapted their, you know, they adapted it to to the around the corner style. Benji, <laughs> <laughs> back to toe poking for you, son. <laughs> Shit poker, Benji. <laughs> <laughs> My first thought for for this match pre-game was that South would blast out of the blocks and I thought that they might struggle to maintain the intensity for the for the full 80 and that might have been when the Knights <laughs> might have come back and got them. Um, I just, I think they struggled to maintain the intensity for 80 but it was all ass about. Yeah. <laughs> they come home with a wet sail and started like a bunch of shit. But even so, I mean, Newcastle, like last week they had the game against the Doggies, they got out to a good half-time lead, not nearly yeah. as good as this one was but it's still good and they just completely surrendered it in the second half. This time, they had a great, the better lead in going into half time, extended it, and then uh, and then faded. Then they did fade a little bit, but they did right the ship as well. I mean, it was just what some of those unstoppable things of South. When South had the ball, they were unstoppable. Newcastle stopped them once, slowed themselves down, and sort of controlled it. And then you know they went on with it, scored a couple more tries. That we I just, I'm a bit concerned about their late game fade outs, um, especially considering their next opponent. You know, they're behind the eight ball to get get a result in this game as it is, well, a result, anything other than a loss. And if they do manage to blast out of the blocks and a few things go their way and they put a lead on there, they're going to have to know how to hold on to it because yeah. a team like the Storm's going to come and get them. And if they just wilt like that, they're gone, their season's over. The so. thing is as well, though, I mean, a lot of their tries came off absolutely diabolical defence as well. I mean, and Newcastle were... Well, were, you look were, at the were, voices one. Yeah. He spun out of a tackle and then ran seven or eight metres through about three or four defenders and crashed over. Yeah. Not... He's a strong dude. He's not the biggest bloke on the field. Kafusi scored under the sticks through yep. goal line defence that was virtually non-existent. Um, Uate beat three or four. On a lot his of his, first a lot try. of his tries were, you know, four or five on his second try. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, just guys just falling off tackles, you know. Yeah, just absolutely. And for the and for their part, South. I mean, they scored. I mean, that first try that South scored was off the most momentously shithouse defence mm. I've ever seen in my life too. I mean, it was just a, it wasn't even a cutout ball or anything. It was just a, a pass to a guy running into a hole, but the hole happened to be about four metres wide, and about five metres out from the try line. It's You know, Newcastle have had some games where they have had some really resolute defence this season. This certainly wasn't one of them, but, um, you know, with their big forwards aiming up, and, and they have put some pretty positive defensive performances together, but see us are capable of carving up a lot of sides. Yep. But, jeez, you know, Newcastle didn't exactly cover themselves in glory defensively, so... No, certainly not, especially with that lapse. 
because the tries once again were, were quite easy tries. Sure, that scored. All in all, a, a decent effort from South, given the forwards they were missing for for a large part of the season. For them to go so close to the eight was was a good effort. I just I just wonder if maybe South. I'm not sure they have this in their DNA, but whether they need to take a more under the radar approach in 2012 rather than coming out. Stop saying this is the year. Yeah, and saying, oh, look, we can win the comp. Let's just say, well, we just want to put our best foot forward. And maybe a changing coach, someone that's uh, it's got a proven, um, you know, it's he's a bit of a here and now sort of coach, Maguire. And, you yep. know, whereas Johnny Lang, you know, his last real coaching success was Ten years eight ago. years ago. Yeah. So with this guy, maybe he comes in and, and, you know, puts his foot down and stamps his authority on the team and they take a bit more of a conservative approach to announcing what they're going to do before the season. So just putting themselves under pressure. Yep. All right, Twitter exploded with this game. Australia. he basically uh, flagged at the start of the game, like, I've got 20 things I can send you. And I was like, you know, go for it. Send them as you think of them. He's like, no, nah, so I'll try and compile them. So anyway, he sent one through and said, hey, vaunted South left edge attacked. You know they get to run at you too, right? <laughs> Cruzio 6, great hat trick to lot. Oh, my bad. Uate parte, like Uates do. There's one for you, I think. Shut up, Cruzy. Uh, Paraman 1973 came along the same lines. Another non-Lotty scores a hat-trick like all non-Lotties tend to do, and I hear Partey Poppers going off in the background. <laughs> uh, the trophy box. Being beaten by a team as shit as Newcastle. LOL at Souths. But the Knights will be cannon fodder next week. Yeah, sadly, I, I think they will be. <laughs> Australia comes through again. Birds do it, bees do it, even educated fleas do it. So let's do it. Let's LOL at Souths. <laughs> and it's I think, on. and the trophy box again, Souths, 40 odd years of beating their chest. And again, they've shown they all talk and no action. So, um, wow. I, I suspect. There's a lot of South haters out there. Yeah. And, and you know what? The, the general, uh, temperature of all of these tweets has been because they talk themselves up. Like you were saying, they talk themselves up at the top of, at the top of the mm. season and say, this is the year we're going to win. We bought all this and done all this and we're going to win. Then they peter out and don't even make the finals. And I think that's that. I mean, I think that their public image could be, you know, done immeasurable goodwill, you know, by not. I just worry shit. what they're going to do in the halves next year. Man, off it's free. <laughs> Didn't mention it in the news, but uh, he's, he's quietly negotiated a release from the last two years of his contract at Canberra. So um yeah so I don't know. Off into the sunset yeah so I don't know what's going on there. Next game, Saturday, the New Zealand Warriors eighteen defeated the North Queensland Cowboys six. The Warriors got their jump on their rivals and jumped out of the bottom two death slot with a comfortable mm. if unspectacular win over the Cowboys. Our show's favourite, Captain Snooze, opened the scoring after once again a team let a fucking bomb bounce. Sean Johnson sent the pass. What is it with that? I don't fucking know, but it seems to be epidemic over the last four to five rounds of football. I mean, it's happened in isolated forms like it's Ben Barber like and stuff. It's literally taking the name of the kick, literally. Yeah, you know, <laughs> don't get don't get within a crater of it. Fuck. <laughs> but even and you see guys that like the, the fuck, tigers. The tigers have done it. You see guys yeah. that fucking know about it. I mean, Dally M winner Billy Slater. Yeah, let one in the trying against Manly before and by letting a bomb bounce in the Ingall area. Benji Marshall, Matty Bowen in this game. Jamie Soward. I mean, they're all doing it. All the cool kids are doing it. Yeah, it's Even, just, except Jamie Soward, he's going to be classed as a cool kid. I just don't understand. And I mean, these are these are tries they're giving away. I mean, are they that nervous about trying to take you know the criticism that comes from taking a ball on the floor and, and, and dropping it? It happens in every game. Yeah, and 
Almost every yeah, it happens almost every game. It's craziness. Oh, just you know, Phil Gould has some merit where he says, you know, I'd be instructing my players. I don't care what you put yourself in a position to catch the ball and you make an attempt to catch it. Yep. Don't let the thing bounce. Because let's face it, you know, giving giving up an extra set of six is better than giving up a dead set try. Yeah. And on this occasion, this is what the Cowboys did. Uh, Sean Johnson sent a pass out to the captain Snooze. He scored out wide. The Cowboys they hit back midway through the half through five five lower, but ultimately that was their fi- first and final joy for the day. Warriors took a lead into half time through a try to Lance Ho higher before icing the game in the sixty third minute when Captain Snooze collected his double. Final score eighteen six. How does Captain Snooze snooze factor into the finals for the the Warriors? Not at all, because he's not named this week because the Beast is back. Uh, Just, (laughs) I I guess there's, he's, you know, we've always called him Rocks and Diamonds, but you see some of the freakish things he does, and then you see some of the, you know, freakish, but not in a good sense, things that he does. Yeah. It's painful. So he's back for back to the Vulcans if they, if they even made the finals. Assuming if he's played most of the I season, think, probably not. I, yeah. <laughs> I think they did. I think they did. But uh, yeah, cool don't don't, don't quote me. Vulcans. Oh yeah, well they just put the death grip on everyone and you know knock them out. That's how they, that's how they got so far through the season. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sean Johnson's ability to perform the way he has been over the last couple of months. Um, on the big stage is is a huge key to the Warriors' chances. I don't think they're without a big chance of, of knocking off the Broncos. They showed in their last game that they're they're up to the challenge. They only got pit by a point. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, it's just there's going to be a lot of pressure on him on the big stage to come up with consistent plays to lead his team around the park, and it's not all going to be about the highlight reel plays. Yep, he's yep. going to have to do some some gritty stuff to get him over the line. And it's all part of his development. I'm just wondering if this particular game's come a little bit soon for him, uh, considering he hasn't played the whole season in first grade. He has bl- burst onto the scene at a rapid rate of knots, and he's covered himself in glory. But yep. you know, this is a whole other ball game now, and whether he whether he handles it or not, he's he's going to go a long way to determining whether the Warriors are going to have much success in the finals. Bowen and Thurston, they've got a much vaunted combination, but. Just doesn't seem to be clicking at the moment. Yeah, I mean, and, and Bowen was sensational when Thurston wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, and he I, seems to have gone back into his shell. Yeah, he's a got. You got, got a taste of being like almost the, the the guy with the sole responsibility for the side's attacking performance. I think their Played forwards like are doing a reasonable genius. job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, their forwards are fine. I just wonder if you know. I mean, I'm missing Dallas Johnson, so you know maybe there was some you know starch missing from their the defence. Sure, but I mean, but, at the end of the day, they only leaked 18 points. Yeah, it's not like yeah, they got exactly. Thumped. But then they also didn't play that poorly either, the Cowboys. I mean, they, they in attack, they certainly didn't seem to have anything. But with JT and Bowen, guys like Brent Tate, Willie Tonga, Fi Fi Law, even Ash Graham this year has been a proven finisher. Proven finisher, yeah. You'd, you'd, have to, you'd have to back him to score more than one try. Yeah. And, and I think it just doesn't seem to be clicking for him. The, the blame has to lie with Thurston. I mean, he's the guy, the, the best player in the world. In, in to his credit, he has come out and, and said he's given himself a bit of a rocket to, to yep. lift for the finals. Um, and, you know, I guess all the Cowboys fans and, and their players and coaching staff and everyone associated with the club will certainly be hoping he does because they're every chance of being one and done. If he doesn't, yeah, well, if, if he doesn't, they're gone. Yeah. There's no two ways about it. Filetti Mateo, he's become a massive asset to the Warriors and he's been much maligned by this show most of the last season, but... 
And who to thunk it? Sorry, who to thunk it? Inu delivered exactly on the promise that we that we thought he would. Yeah. Um, but Fleety changed the scenery. He actually came good. Just the fact that he's learnt to be selective. I don't. I don't know if we can credit that wholly and solely to Ivan Cleary's coaching. But well, he didn't seems know a hell of a coincidence. Then. Yeah, exactly. Um, just he's much, so much more selective. Whereas at Para it was offload regardless, yep. literally regardless. Yep. <laughs> no regard for where the ball ended up. It was going out, <laughs> and he had an uncanny ability to get the ball away. Yeah, it's just a lot of time it was to the ground or to the opposition team. But it was still an uncanny ability. Yeah. But he's harnessed it. He's got really good selection with his offloads now, when to run. Um, you know, his, his short kicking game as well is another asset to the team. And um, there's less of those brain explosion balls out the back that get cleaned up by the opposition and, and yep. give up possession cheaply. So very interesting to see how he goes as well. He, he was. I wonder he was if less game, game time is the key for him. Yeah. Because you know he's not he's not like playing like a you know, an eighty minute lock roll or like you know or five eighth as he as he's you know tried to you know thrown in as a playmaker. I think O nine was the beginning of the end for him when he started coming off the bench when he got back from injury. Yeah. So. Um, but you know, like less fatigue and things like that means that you know he, he's not making decisions under as much fatigue because he's getting more time. You know, he's yeah. getting bench time. So, you know, what he does is more quality because he's not doing it under as much guess, you know yeah, sort of physical duress. I I just thought that that time at, when he was at Parra and he started coming off the bench I think that was the time where like I said it was the beginning of the end at Parra and I'm sure he would have went to the Warriors thinking that he was going to get a whole lot more game time yep. and here he is coming off the bench and injecting himself being more selective and yep. and again you'd have to put it down to Ivan Cleary's coaching maybe yep. he's the genius that Gus thinks he is maybe because I think Gus certainly have to give him the stamp of approval to get him over there yeah good good solid win for the Warriors they um I don't know. They, I don't know if they can do it four weeks in a row, but I'm not going to put at least one win in the finals beyond them. So, they, yeah, and um, they can certainly do it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I, I think they fancy their chances against the Broncos. Well, look, yeah, they came very, very close last time. I mean, they had some shitty attempt at field goals that were charged down and stuff at the end. Um, you know, they were close to winning that game. Simple as that. And I mean, remember that was the game where Lockie. You know, equaled or broke the record. So, yeah. and you know they're going to get the games. support there. Yeah, like it's not going to be all one-way track at crowd-wise. As certainly the Broncos. No way. And Manly showed on the weekend, which in the game that we'll get to, that he can silence that crowd very, even very easily. Big. Yeah, very easily. <laughs> so, um, if you've, if you know, all due respect to the Manly people that, that made it to the game, the sheer weight of numbers from the amount of Kiwis. If they, come up, fans. if they come up the M1 from the Gold Coast, because yeah. when we went to that test match in April, it was I mean, phenomenal. It felt like it was in New Zealand. I mean, yeah. it was just the, the crowd noise. And we knew we weren't in New Zealand because we still had our wallets. Yeah. And we weren't wearing jandals, bro. And our dollar was still worth a dollar and not, not two dollars. <laughs> <laughs> but there was just as many Kiwis as there would have been in New Zealand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, these very vocal ones too. So, I mean, if, if, if you, know, you can get half of those and guys did, up the road. we did get the ones at the top of the gene pool that were smart enough to get out of there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not a lot on Twitter for this game. You know, Kiwis, maybe they're bringing the cards close to their chest. Cowboys certainly had nothing to say. Um Shitting themselves, I predict. Yeah, I'm not sure the Cowboys are overly happy with where they're at at the moment. No, no. I mean, what's, what's four in a row they've, they've chucked away now? Mm. All right. At Backwards Sit on Twitter, game report. 
Warriors showed the Brokeback Mountain men how to be a winner. Next week, they'll geld the horse they rode in on. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, that's the funniest thing he's ever, ever said. Ever, ever reliable. Tony Strange. Love it. <laughs> Next game, Saturday night. Spoonapalooza. Yes. The battle for the spoon. So dubbed. Parramatta Eels, 32. Consigned the Gold Coast Titans to the spoon with a measly 12. A game that I was in attendance with. In attendance, you and uh, 20 others, yeah, along with uh, 21 other Twill Nation members, thanks to the generosity of our buddy Choppy Close. And it was all bad news and very quite depressing for the Gold Coast Titans. The Eels were on top early and and they remained on top for pretty much the entire game. They opened the scoring into the eighth minute through Ken Co, shortly followed by Jared Hayne in the 13th minute in a 100 meter try line to try line effort. The Eels they continued to lay on the points with Morgan getting his double with tries in the 20 and 32nd minutes. And with Luke Burt's three goals from four attempts, the Eels went into Oranges with a commanding 22 points to nil advantage. There were... <laughs> where are we? Uh, second half was more of the same. The Titans playing like they were not the least bit interested in sending Preston Campbell into retirement in style. And the Eels moved ahead 32 nil through a double to Ben Smith inside the first 10 minutes of the half. The game then died off as a spectacle. Eels visibly dropped in intensity. And despite the Titans trying to mount a comeback of sorts, it was far too little, far too late. But they did add two tries, one to O'Dwyer and one in the final play of the game to Mead. Anthony LaFranchi was given the honours of the final conversion and made no mistake, final score, 32 points to 12. Sad to see the Titans couldn't even get up for this game. Man, seriously. At the end of the day, they had nine players leaving the club. It was fucking depressing, including hey? Including Preston Campbell, who was a freaking champion in every sense of the word. And yep. guys that are foundation members of the club like LaFranchi, Nathan Friend, yep. these sorts of guys. And they couldn't show up for them? Oh, very to... disappointing. Oh, in a season, season of low turned, lights, this I think, is... I think the season turned when Friend was out. Yeah. And, and offloaded. Yeah, I think, think about so. Think about the timing. Pretty, I mean, because they didn't start the season. They didn't start the season well, but they didn't start the season like Spooners either. No. I mean, they were still fringe of the eight kind of thing. And, uh, yeah. The whole Nathan Friend thing, you know, certainly looks like a catalyst for things turning sour down there, but... I just, I feel really bad for them. It's been a season of low lights for them, but there haven't been many more lower points than, than this game. Yeah. For their final game of the season, for their fans, they got a good crowd. They're 18,000 uh, 18 or something as something. it was announced. So. And, it, and it seemed like it could have been... Um, Somewhere around the mark. A legit 18,000. It was certainly the, the fullest it's been at a Titans game that I've been to this year. And I've probably been to three or four of them now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't as full as the All-Star game in the Test match, obviously. But, yeah, it was pretty full. So, like their performances this season, and yes, they've had their, their issues with injuries. You know, guys like Friend or even Prince has been out. Bailey's had his issues. Um, so has LaFranchi. But I just think their performances this season detract somewhat from Cartwright's coaching stock. It just... His reputation has been unquestioned up till this point. Yeah. He's had a pretty charmed run with some of the playing roster that he's had access to. Um, Searle's certainly given him a bit of a free reign as far as recruitment goes. And he came into this season having finished, what, fourth last year? Yeah. Was it fourth? Fourth. Or even, were they even higher than that? It was would have been St. Oh, George. Oh, you, you were third, George, Roger. Penrith, Tigers, Titans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a lot to look forward to this season for the Titans, and they just haven't lived up to it one iota. And it's it all 
you know, the coach is responsible for for getting those players into a mindset every week. Whether they have the attacking potency that they would have otherwise have had, um, but were nullified because of injury or whatever, he still has to send them out there in the right frame of mind to, to make their tackles and keep their I, structures. I heard that he didn't say, at half time, he, he, sat, he didn't say anything. Yeah. Like, literally, he was just silent, didn't say a thing. And that's almost like, you know, the coach has given up. Yeah. He's just kind of like saying, fuck you lot. I'll just, you know, that's like a coach that doesn't have any answers. That's depressing. With four years to run on his contract. Yeah. I mean, and admittedly, he's going to, going to be a, a, an injection of fresh air, you know, when he's got, you know, like Buster Rhymes comes up next year and, uh, you know, Nate Miles, guys like that. But, geez. Buster Rhymes and Buster Bowles. <laughs> <laughs> Put them with MC Kilogram. <laughs> I can't Oh, God. It's a rap super group. It's <laughs> uh, amazing. Um, but yeah, the Titans. They uh, literally after the first try was scored, they just they didn't look like they wanted to be there. Um, we were sat right in the middle of a bunch of eel supporters too. So for get the, the Devon and Sauce sandwiches to Gordon, and he'll <laughs> shit in the hallway. That's the fucking number one. They'll hit. go straight through him. And, uh, <laughs> he'll, he'll lose his key, and yeah, in get the hallway it to he goes. <laughs> um, I don't have anything else to say about this game. I'll look at Twitter. Hayne played fullback for the Eels. Oh, we should yeah credit to Hayne. He played fuck. He had a good game though. Like he, did. he was wearing the six. He was wearing the six, but he was playing fullback. Especially in defence, he was playing fullback. I mean, and which yeah. is which is what allowed him to score that length of the field try when he scooped up a, a grubber kick and took it all away. Yeah, another five metres, Mead would have had him. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they can say that, but yeah, he didn't have another five metres. Fucking fast, though, hey. Yeah. Like yeah. Bird. When he strides out, he's a fast guy. Fucking Bird. I thought Bird had him covered. Yeah. To be honest, like but, just the <laughs> angle that Bird was running at. And, but he just he dropped off, and the amount of ground that Hayne had to cover, I thought well, he's probably going to go in a touch here, or he'll step inside him at, at yep. very worst. And fuck me, straight <laughs> around him. the outside, and yeah. Bird was like diving for des- you know, desperate attempt to try and get it. I lay a finger on him and couldn't even get that. Yeah, and yep. Mead, obviously, you know, just proved how fast he is. Yeah, I mean, Hayne's no freaking slouch. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, yeah, another five meters. I mean, you know. Jared was there too, and I mean, it wasn't like he was sprinting. He wasn't sprinting through the no, tape on the goal line either. I mean, there's always that slowing down. So, I think if Hayne had to run faster, probably his best line, performance probably... of the year when the game meant nothing. Um, yeah, I, well, yeah, I guess it meant, it meant something in terms of the fact that you know Parramatta clearly didn't want the spoon, and Gold Coast were kind of indifferent to the proposition. Mm. I mean, Parra came out with like a side that was like, "Fuck no, fucking way, are we getting the spoon?" And they played accordingly. For the first time, they did something behind him. Maybe they thought it meant that you get to spoon. And they're like, way, like silver robe swords, spoon. yeah. And if it's you know if some of the women that tend to frequent the gold car, I'm up for that. That's yeah. what it means, right, boys? Anybody? That's Somebody? what I think. Cardi wasn't talking to him. He didn't seem <laughs> straight. No, no. Now, can I go to Twitter? Ah, uh, yes. Ricky T eighty seven. Shit team versus shit team equals the most ridiculous fucking voodoo shitty craptacular game played by a bunch of useless twats. <laughs> okay, and then we've we had another one here. Nigel Bridgman, Bridgman RL on Twitter. He was one of the people at the game. He was, he was there. He was sitting in the row in front of me. He said, uh, those ingrates at Parramatta had better name the whole stadium after Nathan Hindmarsh once he's done. They don't deserve him. That got me thinking, actually. Do you think they'll name a stand after Lockie at Suncorp? <sighs> what are they even called at the moment? Eastern and Western. <laughs> they don't so so after uh, you know the the great Broncos luminary John Easton and uh, 
Weston's biscuits. <laughs> yeah. Gordon uh, Weston. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I know what you're saying, though. I mean, because, yeah, I can't believe that if they did If Wally Lewis doesn't have one, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of, you know, it's when it comes a fucking to, statue. Give him a stand. When, when, it comes, when it comes to Queenslanders and stuff, I guess, um, you know, you, there's a, there's quite a long line of people. Like, you know, you could argue that, you know, Mal, or you could argue something for Artie, or you could argue, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I guess. But, yeah. It's I fucking mean, Lockie, man. Yeah, it's strange that they have And given that they got the whole stadium, given that they got four stands too, you know, it's not like a hill and a hill, and you know, I mean, like you know, there's actually four stands they could that they could name, or sections even. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got the upper upper balconies, and you know, I mean, yeah, definitely. there's plenty to name. And it's, it's it's strange now you think about it. It's strange that they didn't like you know rolling like you know Frank Burke or something like you know into one of the new ones when they you know from the old Lang Park. Yeah. Disrespectful for mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, and finally on this game, we've got um, R. Benso, Parramatta Eels fan, overseas at the moment. And he's like... Uh, Filming yeah. an idiot abroad. Yeah, after what I hear, it was a masterful game. Clearly, time for you to retract every negative thing you've ever said about Jared Hayne, ever. To I which, don't know, to when which he plays I replied, To which I replied, no. Yeah. <laughs> and so he said, just a subtle best fullback in the game comment then. And I said, no, he was wearing number six. <laughs> I'd give you nothing. <laughs> I just... Even in those games in 09 where he went on an absolute tear, I'm not sure you could really class him as being totally invested in the game for 80 minutes. He injected himself and then some, but he hardly had... You know, I guess that's part of the reason why they've been insisting on trying to play him at 5-8 is to get more ball in his hands, but... I don't know. I just there's a lot of a lot of other fullbacks out there that show a lot more energy and a lot more involvement in eighty minutes of football that don't have the talent that Jared Hayne possesses and, and yeah. he would have well, a massive you know, impact on that team. You know, they, we could put that on a loop. We've said it all year. Yeah. Um, sad, you know, sad for the Eels because I mean they're paying a lot of money and unfortunately, you know, yeah, okay, he won you the game that didn't consign you to the spoon, but you know he could have played like that for all season and you it's might have challenged that. A few years ago, that. I think it might have been. Oh nine, yeah, I think it was oh nine because the Tigers, their finals hopes were pretty well extinguished by Para in a game I flew to Sydney for, where Hayne chipped over the top and won the game in the last minute, which broke my heart. Anyway, <laughs> and started this vendetta that you've been pushing on the show. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, the Tigers went down to Skilled that year. I'm sure, it was oh nine. I couldn't make it to the game. It's the only Tigers game I haven't been to when they've played on the Gold Coast. Yeah. And it's, it's the only game the Tigers have won there. <laughs> Ironic. Coincidence, you be the judge. And Benji absolutely carved up. It was the last game of the year. We couldn't make the finals, even if we won by 600. And Benji was just fucking unstoppable. Every time he touched the ball, he made a break. He put people through holes. The kicking game was great. He scored tries. And I was just like, why the fuck? Have you not been this involved all season? Yeah. Why haven't you done... Like, just unfathomable to me. He was playing... He played in that game like he's played a lot of this season. Like, just Last five or being six involved weeks. and taking the game by the scruff of the neck. And, you know, it's it's a little bit... It's a bit of a hollow feeling when you see your best player do that in the last game of the season when you know he's going to it's Bali all, in a week's time. Yeah, you know? like, yeah. <laughs> and you start thinking about what might have been. Yeah, Definitely. Para, para fans that have no, no doubt have a lot of that to, to look forward to over the next few months. All right. Speaking of Benji then, Saturday, 
West Tigers, 30, defeated the Cronulla Sharks. Speaking of not being involved 22. much for 80 minutes. Yeah, exactly. A big crowd for Cronulla on hand to pay homage to the warhorse Paul Gallen in his 200th game. Almost 17,000 people. Cronulla, they started well, but it was the Tigers on the board with two early tries, taking an 8-0 lead after Benji kicked like Benji Marshalls do. <laughs> John Williams got one back for the Sharkies before the Tigers pushed ahead through a try to Molson. Coming into the halftime break, Jeremy Smith put Stuart Mills in to reduce the margin to two points, but right on halftime, Lottie, has he scored a hat-trick yet? Takiri grabbed the try to see the Tigers eight points ahead at the break. Second half, the Sharks came out firing, getting close again through a try to Smith, but the pattern continued and the Tigers were able to keep that eight-point margin with a try to Farrah. The Sharks got it back to the four-point margin late in the game, giving themselves a sniff, but Robbie Farrah grabbed his third try of the match like good wingers do and finished them off 30-22. to 22. Unconvincing. Extremely. We're, fo- we're following this game along at the, you know, on the on the iPhone apps and everything while the other game was going. And what were you saying? Well, I was going to have a stroke. I was like, well, no, I was kind of like, this is not the worst thing that could happen because I was trying to figure out the final how the final positions would play out. And I was like, well, if they lose, that means they'll be playing at Lang Park next week, and we could definitely go. You yeah. know, like I was thinking, that's actually you know not a bad, it's not a bad thing. But, yeah, then they, like but, then, but then they won and they're playing on Friday night and, you know, we can't fucking get down to that. Yeah. <laughs> Just there were some worrying signs um, given the fact that... Cronulla scored 22 points. <laughs> well, there's that. There's that, definitely. But just the, the fact they blasted out of the blocks, they put a couple of quick trials on it, all looked really easy and they clocked off. Yep. And if I want to be honest with myself, this dates back to last season. <laughs> um, most notably, all three finals games. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Blasted out to Leeds. Got pegged yeah. back and almost pegged, pegged back, back in the camera lost bag. The, lost the rate, uh, sorry, lost the Roosters game. Yep. Um, Cats here hadn't been injured. You probably would have lost the camera game. Like Canberra were coming to get us and miss a kick on the side. And, and I'll make miss the goal, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we led the Dragons 12-0. 12 nil. 12 nil. And they come back and got us. So, yeah. <sighs> a bit of, of ill-discipline, some penalties. Um Cronulla had a 6-0 penalty count in the second half and still found reason to carry on about how harshly done by they were by the referees. Could have been 100 nil. Sorry? Could have been 100 nil. <laughs> <laughs> um, they did get one dodgy forward pass call, or a non-call, where the Tigers end up scoring in that set of six, where it was a pass, one of those inside balls like they always call forward anyway. This one they let go and it was about half a metre forward. Yep. Just unfathomable to be how they constantly get that 100% wrong, no matter which way they go. <laughs> it's just <laughs> very rare they get that one right. I was just... I think, given the fact the Sharks got so close as it was, and Paul Gallen and Jeremy Smith were pretty much the only ones they played like They played like six men. They did. <laughs> they were like Adam Blair. And I mean, Gallen, let's face it, he's done it in every game he's fronted up this season. I mean, Jerry Smith has been kind of a bit down on... What the Sharkies probably would have expected when they Paul Gallen doing that on his own makes Cronulla a reasonably competitive side for maybe twenty twenty five. Yeah, not the spoon, not the spoon. Basically, it just yeah. removes him from the spoon. Jeremy Smith joins him, and they push a top four contender fairly well to the wire. And if they had some proper imagine backs, if they had could one more player doing that. If they if if they imagine if they had proper halves, yeah, that could deliver to proper backs. Because Albert Kelly was fairly non-existent in this game. Yeah, a couple of good. Uh, little glimpses on his feet, but nothing really to write home about. Wade Graham was solid, but fairly unspectacular. Um, they missed Nathan Gardner for sure. Yeah. Um, but their forwards were their forwards were good. 
Yep. Um, Snowden and Douglas, I thought they really stood up. And the Tigers really need to watch out. They need That's something they need to rectify in their game. Just, I don't know if it's arrogance, whether they just think, okay, we've got this. Due for and, a loss, unfortunately. After, yeah. uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's what they say about teams that are on a streak. All in all, the, I think yeah. it's a tough win from a, a pretty tired team. I think they did look flat. Yep. Even though they scored a couple of easy tries, that probably said more about how poor Cronulla's defence was yep. um, to open the game than what it did about how scintillating the Tigers' attack yeah. was. Um, also, you know, you look at the try that Molson scored, which was created by the initial break from Louis. He just pushed out of a couple of tackles. There was nothing hugely spectacular as far as attacking structure or anything coming out of that or set plays or whatever. So it was... You know, a worrying signs, and it's probably better that it come in this game. We still managed to squeak out a win than coming this weekend. Exactly, because you can't. You, can, you I mean, you you will concede that you can't play like that and get close this weekend. No, it's finals now. We won't get within the roar of any of the top eight teams. Yep. If if we play like that, or maybe so. Newcastle. Well, yeah. <laughs> the can real to, top eight teams. Can I go to Twitter? We uh, got more. To was say? it Robbie or Lottie that scored the hat trick? Always get them too mixed up with her. I thought it was Lottie. Because they got the hat trick, didn't he? Yeah. Just, the beards. The one, yeah. It's, it's, they look exactly the same. Yeah, exactly. Identical. Yeah. Could be identical twins. Yeah, the beard. It was the one with the beard. <laughs> Lottie. I always said he'd get a hat trick. I feel so great. I've caught it for, caught it for almost two seasons. Yeah, no, I did. Finally, he's come through. I didn't say it was like good wingers do. <laughs> so it was like good wingers do. It was Robbie that got it. <laughs> now. Can I go to Twitter or you got more to say? I've probably got more to say. Go nah, on. Give me nah, I think I've got it covered. Yeah, okay. I can't carry on too much. We didn't fucking beat the Sharks by yeah. eight points. <laughs> and it was funny, was it was the last game of last season where you barely beat the Sharks through you know, through a dodgy performance as well? No, we lost to the Titans in the last game. Oh, that's right. Annalise underscore oh eight. Wow, Hooker getting hat tricks, but can Lottie get one? No. Now if Annalise was nicer to me, I'd mention that she uh, has a rather impressive blog. And give it a bit of a plug, but seeing as so though she's a cow, I'm not saying a word. <laughs> Knights Kid 95 had a bit of an away time, and now he's come back and started slamming the tweets back in. I can kick like Benji, or like shit, as some would say. Mm. <laughs> Solzy. Nothing to say to you. Solzy. Jeez, the refs played the Tig Pies into fourth position in those last few minutes. There were a couple of calls. And uh, that's, that. that's come from a Canberra fan, so it's not like a Sour Grapes uh, Sharkies fan there. Yeah, but Solzy is... Well, Solzy's a Manly fan now. Anyway, he's on the bandwagon for the finals. Oh, Dim Sim 19. Robbie Farah showing certain wingers how the job gets done. Isn't it funny? You're, like, you're kind of like South talking it up at the start of the season. Now everyone's <laughs> coming to pay you back at the end of the season. <laughs> Australia. Between ourselves, I believe the Tigers may have to do slightly better than that to beat the competition's established elite. Ever so slightly, Loz. <laughs> and uh, finally, Tiger Balm 05. The West Tigers making shit teams look good since... Zero zero. Yes. Fuck, we deserve that too. I can't even argue against it. No, no. Which is funny because you know, usually you do try and find a silver lining, but um, two points. This is against one of those things. We just two... need to win the game to get the top four spot. We did it. Yep. Fuck, we need to improve that. Sunday, Canterbury Bulldogs thirty six defeated the Canberra Raiders twenty two. The doggies they sent off Bobcat Ryan in appropriate style with a good win against the Raiders after trailing early. The doggies, though, they were in first through Josh Morris before Canberra responded with a try to Josh McCrone. 
It was the Doggies who struck next with Barber grabbing his first try of the match before Canberra took the lead again through a try to Croker. After a slow and mistake-riddled second, the start to the second half, Canberra extended their lead with McCrone grabbing his double before the Doggies got into gear and took advantage following two tries to Barber and a testimonial try to Andrew Ryan giving him a 10-point lead with as many minutes left in the match. Reese Robertson got the Raiders back into the game in the 71st minute, but it was all for naught as Ben Barber grabbed his fourth try of the match with four minutes to go before Josh Morris took an intercept and went length of the field to score a try. Andrew Ryan nailed the conversion. Final score, 36-22. to 22. Ben Barber. Four tries. Fucking It's going amazing. around this week. Absolutely. Yeah, plenty of people doing that. Took the took the, to- the try-scoring crown with uh, his haul. Just... You got to. I'm getting on him for Daly M next year. Yeah, you gonna put it together for the whole season? You reckon? I think so. He's just. He's too good to be true. That bloke. Oh, I just I'm want someone to come out and I'm say that he's a robot or something that explains how fucking good he is. I'm, I'm detecting the, the the overtly sexual tones of a new man crush. No, nah, not really a man crush material, but fuck. Not Polynesian enough. Not tattooed enough. Not mundane disciple-y enough. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> Not bra boy affiliated enough. Jeez. Jeez, he can play footy, but God, he's good. I, I, look, at very worst, he's going to run second to Benji Marshall next year. <laughs> Benji couldn't even win it this year. It was laid out for him on a platter. I know. It's a bit disappointing. How about the Bulldog Star Wars jerseys? Oh, interesting. Did you like them? Uh, look, I like I I liked what they represented because I like Star Wars. Um, they didn't look as good as they could because they they kind of just look like an advertising billboard on the front of a jersey, you know, with the lightsabers and that. Like as I opposed mean, to any other jersey. Well, you know, they could have put you know incorporated the Star Wars stuff into the design rather than it was almost just like you know chucked on the you know chucked on. How the front would you incorporate the Star Wars stuff? Oh, fucked if I know. I'm not saying I, I'm not saying I know off the top of my head how I would do it, but you know, you could put some more. Are you thought a fucking into it. Star Wars geek. Yeah, you can put some more thought into it and, you know, just make it look a bit better. But as a collector's item, man, they're going to make some fucking money off those jerseys because mm. just uh, monitoring Twitter on the subject, people went, like Star Wars fans went crazy for them and, and some of them, like, oh, I'd be like, you know, yeah, you know, I'd, you know, I'd get one if you could buy them at the shops, you know, I might get one, you know, for 150 bucks or whatever. But given that they're only the 17 that the players wore and they're going to be auctioned off, I've seen Star Wars supporters on the Star Wars fans on Twitter saying I want one of those jerseys at any price wow so with you know people like that I mean they should as far as charity shit should was that concerned. game quality was that the charity I, they were going to give it to don't know don't know I didn't I, I wasn't paying attention to where it was it going it makes me wonder right I know that they have the, the game worn jerseys and that's that's the appeal and that's why people want to pay so much for mood auction I just don't understand Fair enough, sign the game warm ones and sell them at auction and you make your money. Yeah. But wouldn't you put out a special release of like a 1,000 or 2,000 of those jerseys? It yeah. doesn't diminish the value of the game worn ones because they're still fucking game worn. And they're signed and, you know, they could and be authenticated as, as game worn ones if they needed to be to... But I guess that makes them super exclusive. There's only 17. Yeah, sure, but... You can't get them any other way. I just... I don't get well, how I, they yeah. don't... Put another well, fuck. It could be a hundred thousand, and all that money goes to charity. I hear. You. I remember a couple of years ago, Manly played a trial, and they had like you know something to do with conservation green something or other. And they played, and the it was like the green, yeah, the Manly jersey, except if there was white hoops with like a green yeah. jersey. I fucking wanted one of those ones badly. I reckon that was awesome, but um, 
the only only the game war ones, only for auction, and they went for fucking packets. I, I, I get the concept behind it. I just think if they released another five, ten, two hundred thousand of them, yeah, and all the money went to charity, how is that it's a good bad thing. thing? Yeah, well, maybe, and you hold them back till after the auction or something. Even if they weren't to say anything until the auction's done, then they go, okay, due to yeah. popularity, bam, you know, do it. You haven't. I've anything. never really understood that. Yeah, because the the no, game worn aspect does not lose any exclusivity if you released another batch of them after, regardless of the size of the batch. Yep, yep, I agree with that, actually. Um, was Andrew Ryan nicknamed Bobcat after a mini loader or after the animal? Perhaps a, a doggy's fan. I, I know I know the answer to this, but I just can't put my finger on it. At the moment. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he wasn't named after a skidsy loader. <laughs> and the fact that they had skidsy loaders behind the uh, dead ball line, which Andrew Ryan clearly then tried to jump up on and I know for a fact that you don't fuck around trying to climb on earth moving equipment right yeah jumping up on the bucket of a mini loader with football boots on fraught with danger as Andrew Ryan found out when he almost knacked himself almost gave himself a second circumcision <laughs> assuming of course he's had it first but I'm I'm going to assume that he wasn't named after that, but I guess it probably would be pretty hard to have a wild fucking cat behind the dead ball line for him to go and give a cuddle to if he scored a try, if he just so happened to score a try in his last game. So um, it was a bit of a funny moment, but geez, it could have ended a whole lot worse. Yeah, yeah. Could have absolutely cagged himself. That wouldn't have been good. You finished with your comments, are you? Yeah, absolutely. All right. I was... I'm monitoring what you're doing. Yeah, I'm, I'm basically, I'm just scanning Twitter for uh, for comments. Chris, Chris Wargren, what a post-try celebration by Ryan. Him and Hodjo, two of the nicest blokes in league. I'll never forget Ryan v. Crocker in 2004. What happened to Ryan v. Crocker in 2004? Did they fight? They must have. I don't remember either. I, I do mean, not remember that. I mean, anything with... Sorry, Chris. Anything with Crocker. I mean, the only thing I... Yeah, I've got very little time for Crocker. You did give Crocker a bit of a spray. At the... At, where was it? At the function? At Suncorp. At Suncorp, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're well, rightly so. One of the toughest men in rugby league got knocked out by a fucking football. Exactly. I've got, got no time for Crocker, and, and in fact, I've got so little time for him, I've only got enough room in my brain to fit one Crocker moment, and that's when he got <laughs> fucking knocked out cold by a football. Tough guy, that guy. Fucking superstar. And Chris Warren also said, the only side, the only downside to today was Romolo's absence. The dogs would be playing Melbourne next week if it wasn't for that. Exactly. I agree that the doggies probably would have got their 90-point margin if uh, the Ottoman was playing. Um, Probably a hundred and ninety point margin, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Troy underscore seventy nine. Attention Raiders players, go away for a few months and learn to play with heart and passion. Attention coaching staff and management, fuck off. <laughs> That's hardcore. Yeah, but uh, you know the, the sack Ferner calls are, have been going for months now. Interesting call. The media starting to jump on the fact that they had a bit of a family review in of the of the season. Yeah, down at the Raiders and. Ridiculous that they, I mean, you know, they need to get an independent guy in there to say, listen, listen, you know, the coach is fucked. Here's our independent reviewer. Get the fuck John out. John Ferner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At Solsey, Canberra fans, had, uh, shame Tung didn't go out with a win, but well done to Ryan and Tung for great careers. Sad to see the end of the Raiders' army. Well, I mean, well it's yeah. not really the end of the Raiders' army. They'll be back next year, won't they? Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, the end of them. Is that this, like the Salvation Army? The end of them this season was pretty much you know, the middle of the year too. Like all, middle? All, all this time, Fuck, the time when Cat, that time when Cat's hair came on and then went that off into five minutes later. That time when they kicked later. off in round one. <laughs> <laughs> that time when they bought Matt Orford. <laughs> all right. Sunday, second game. 
Brisbane Broncos, 18, defeated the mighty Manly Sea Eagles, 10. Big crowd at Suncorp for a game where we and many, many Tool Nation members were in attendance. Yes. Although almost 2,000 people elected to waste their tickets, apparently. Big Some first. wearing aubergine pants, it must be said. I tell you, aubergine pants with a with a, a blue and, and yellow striped Broncos media polo. Yeah. Mwah. Aubergine pants, it's a new black. It is. For gay it people. Is. Or for sexy man people. You're just hating on the sexy man. He yeah. worked He worked it well. Oh, he's, he's got to go you know on. Oh, I'll tell Don't you. get me wrong. But should have taken a picture of him. How many pairs of those has he got? That's my question. Well, the last two, last two or three times that, that we've seen him, he's been wearing those Literally same Literally every pants. time we've seen him this year. <laughs> and I've seen him quite a few times. Yeah. Because <laughs> I also saw him at the Dragons-Broncos game that we took Jackson to. Yeah. Same pants. And he was at the burger eating challenge. Same pants. Is it this thing, uh, the, the Broncos game on Sunday? Same pants. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say he only owns one pair of pants. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And no undies. I, I can't comment on that. I wouldn't have a clue. Well, I've checked. There's no line. Okay. <laughs> but it's funny that the, the official crowd was like 50,000 and 800 or something like that. Yeah. When um we know through Origin, you know, it's like 52 and a half is the actual capacity. So I don't know where the other, you know, 1,500 or 2,000 people went, but... How the fuck would you get a ticket to that game and not go? Exactly. If you're a Broncos fan or a rugby league fan. Yeah, exactly. You had to be some corporate nufty that probably prefers to watch AFL or Rugby Union to not yeah. go to that. And if the tickets were, if the tickets weren't sold, then, you know, why would they... Well, don't say it's a sellout then, and because then people would be like, oh... Can't go, you know, it's a sellout. Can't, can't go, it's a sellout, why try? Strange, strange. I mean, because it, it wouldn't have been corporate people, surely. I mean, you know, 2,000's a lot. You know, for the corporate stuff. Yeah, I, I was surprised, especially looking at the crowd. Like, it didn't look like there was two thousand spare seats. They must have no. been fairly sporadic. No, no, I mean, it must be right. We we couldn't see the top shelf, you know, above us, so it could have been up there. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah. Big first half from the Broncos, though. Some poor play from Michael Oldfield as well. Some lucky pleasing decisions, grabbing them a dominant 14-0 halftime lead, following tries to Andrew McCulloch, Jarrell Yayi, and Matt Gillette. How about Yayi's try? That was a good try. That was one of the bad, the, yeah, bad, bad play from Oldie to even leave. Bad positioning, but fuck, he did some work to get the ball yeah. and get it down. Yeah. One of the um, takes of the year. Manly kept in the game through a Benji Marshall-esque performance from the boot of the normally reliable Corey Parker. Apparently, there was a spray at halftime from Coach Desi, and Manly responded immediately with two tries in the first seven minutes. First one through Big T-Rex, followed by another try down the left to Daly Cherry Evans. The momentum was eventually halted when the Manly try in the 50th minute was disallowed and Brisbane fought back to control the field position for pretty much the remainder of the match. Did you realise at the time, I remember discussing it, but I can't remember if... No, not until later. We finally got to realise yeah, yeah. why they disallowed it. Yeah. Apparently Matt was offside. Yeah, it was still like a fingernail thing. Like, yeah. I mean, like... It's, wasn't much in it's it. It's a bit bullshit. Um, I'll say there wasn't much in it. Yeah. But they probably got it right. And I'll say a bit bullshit. And they if got they it said Manly was wrong, they got it and wrong. No, they definitely got it wrong. And uh, and they cost Manly the game because it would have been 16-14 lead at that stage. <laughs> A try to Beal in the 63rd minute gave the Broncos an 18-10 lead, which proved to be the final scoreline, as Brisbane failed to do enough to grab second place on the ladder, but enough to give the festival of Lockie the ending it required. It was great to see Lockie get a win. would have been an absolute travesty, oh. travesty had Manly won this game. It would have been fucking funny. It would not have been funny. I would have cried. Would you? Yeah. Fucking I, would, I would have cried too with laughter. All people that love life. 
Because yeah, I mean, bills and rain bills. Because yeah, there's no doubt about it that you know after after, after the suspensions, after the suspensions and injuries and everything, I mean, there, you know, no no manly fan went, you know, those went there hoping to not lose by 43 points. <laughs> and I mean, the Brisbane media kind of fueled it up a little bit with the Courier Mail starting to bring the 43 points up, you know, not not realizing that you know that manly didn't lose by more than 18 all season and it was never going to fucking happen. But um, yeah, that would have been funny. Yeah, but. Admin awesome. lost by 43. Great performance from very understrength Manly. Uh, felt like a moral victory, if not a victory victory. Um, and, I'd, and you know, I think most of the Manly, play, Manly fans went away very proud of the performance of the side. I think both teams will take a fair bit out of this game. I think it was it was large parts of the game that were fought out at semi-final type intensity. Yeah. And it's a good lead into the finals for, for both teams. Broncos seem to have the ball the entire fucking game, eh? Except for the start of the they second They did control half. possession fairly well. And, like, we're hammering at the line. Yeah. Non-stop. Yeah. I, I didn't see the stats, but just on the basic flow of the game. It felt like 90-10. Sorry? <laughs> it felt like 90-10. <laughs> Except for that short period in the second half when yeah, they got laid on three tries. Manly took the most of the opportunities in that period of the game and made a real game of it. Even Lockie said himself he was glad that, that Manly put that passage of play together and really took it to the Broncos and they yeah. had to grind out the rest of the game. Um, they, they got the hit, hit out they needed pre the finals and showed, you know, Broncos... Certainly showed that they weren't far off their best, and Manly pretty much showed the same thing. You know, yeah. considering the plays that they had out, yeah. really good defensive performance primarily. Um, Brisbane's forwards held their own for Manly versus Manly at the most part, but which is strange because I mean they really should have dominated them. They probably should, but when the cracks started to appear, two props out. Yeah, for Manly, when the cracks started to appear in the second half. Brisbane really struggled to stop the bleeding in that passage of play, and, yeah. and Manly took advantage of that and and just charged up the field. If they had um, been awarded that try in the fiftieth minute, sorry, if they had been awarded that try in the fiftieth minute, they may very well have just kept the momentum. May they just kept going. Yeah, there was like that, what happened the first time they played this season. There was that decision which went against Manly, and also the one where the Broncos were awarded a try, um, where the Manly winger Vare, I think, yeah, it was, it was Vare, yeah, number twenty, um, due to the Broncos players both going for the ball, both coming down. Um, side by side with one another, a winger like come a, in. It was like a rolling mall. Couldn't, couldn't really make an attempt to tackle on the guy with the ball. The Broncos scored and they deemed it a fair try. Um, those couple of calls basically were the difference. Were, were the difference. Um, I'd like to see a bit more of an explanation as to the the Brisbane try one. I'm happy to roll with with Matt I being offside, but um, I didn't really see any real explanation as to how they justified that. Yeah, because clearly... he, he was definitely denied. Whether it, it was certainly not really intent there to make it, yeah, there was definitely not intent there. But I mean, but to make a shot on the on the guy with the ball, he would have had to tackle two guys at once. Yeah, and one when one of them Gillette and the other one was like it was Reed. Yeah, I think I mean you know they're two fucking nuggets. Like one guy's going to bring yeah. them down, you know. Even the great Dean Vare. Even the great Dean Vare, who did play pretty well in his first game, first grade for a fucking long time. Yeah, I agree. DCE's a real deal, eh? Oh, fucking how good Took on it? extra responsibility with yep. the absence of foreign and, and handled it just fine. He he really um, directed the, the forwards around the park and, and got that left-hand side attack going in the second half. And, yep. and you know, Brisbane's defence, for the most part, was pretty good. But during that passage of play when Manly threw everything at them and it was by far their best period of the game, DCE was really controlling things and, and Brisbane didn't have the answers to really stop him. So yep. good performance from him. Um, sad to see Thiday and Hoffman going to miss the well, Hoffman is going to miss all the final series and Thiday. Yep. 
uh, depending how far the, the Broncos progress, he's going to miss at least two games. So um, it's going to hurt. Those the absence of those two players is going to hurt more than we realise. Uh, Thaiday, you know, he's an inspirational leader, but Hoffman. We've seen the difference in the Broncos side in the games that Hoffman's played, even though he's had a disrupted season with injury. Um, and he makes a massive difference with his play from fullback. And yeah, he's the other guys like that have replaced him can't emulate what he does, and therefore the Broncos are going to be poorer for for the loss. But hopefully they can overcome it and, and put their best foot forward. Um, one thing, I was, I was, although I mentioned the thing that there were a lot of locky friendly decisions, I did make the comment to you during the game. And um, I haven't. I've only watched the highlights on on you know like the the points on on replay. I haven't watched the entire game on replay. So you know the perspective is kind of you know how it was you know sitting in the stands watching it, mm. and it just seemed like the fucking both teams, especially you got away with fucking murder lying on the tackle player. I don't know what was doing there. I have yeah, to watch well, the game by your against... own admission, Manly. Yeah, because no one's no one else. That was has part of Manly's it's... game plan. Yeah, for sure. Oh, like, um, well, you could tell. <laughs> well, Zorba at the at the Manly function beforehand. Um, I was there late, so I missed him. But apparently, he said that the game plan for Manly for that game was literally just to fucking kick the ball on the last tackle into touch. You know, walk the scrums. Exactly what I said it'd be. Yeah. Kick the t- kick into touch. Walk the scrums. Wind down the clock. Complete sets. That's it. Slow the play down. <laughs> and that's exactly what they did. And um, and the funny thing is, it worked. It's worked pretty well. I mean, it's such a such an underdone side with three out of four of their top four playmakers missing. They still managed to put it on, so um, I was very proud. Um, that's about it. What's Twitter got to say about it? Wasn't really pushing it because we were at the game, so I'm sure we'll have some in there though. Cruzio six. That was a nice practice run. Yeah, sharp crazy. Jamos STG. Manly looked very flat. I think Des will be happy with the effort though. I think they're going to start struggle without Glenn Stewart. Well, that's one of the playmakers that they're missing. But I think um, the ma- the biggest problem was foreign. I mean, because Cherry had to had to work the right and the left. You know, when you got four and taking control of the and left. They really left line out in the centres. He didn't really play much 5-8. So yeah, but I mean... Piro handled himself very well. Pe- yeah, and people were saying that he was going to play 5-8, um, you know, based on his positioning in 2008 and, you know, the grand final winning. But I said the whole time, he wasn't going to play 5-8. He doesn't like playing 5-8. He does and cre- so well and creates so much out in centre that they, were, they weren't going to, like, juggle the entire team around. They just slot yeah. some... And actually, another player I need to mention, which I didn't have in my notes, I'll see you, see you. Been maligned massively by me, massively. Huge. But he fucking played. He played well in that game, and he put on some hits. And he, was, he had a great fucking time. I mean, he wouldn't be a bad bench, bench option. I think. I mean, um, Ballin didn't have a happy game, and um, I have a feeling that CUC was included in the side, you know, for the purpose of giving Ballin a rest leading into the finals, because he he always shoulders the brunt of the defensive load, and you know, therefore, you know, be a bit tired. Um, but CSU, he did really well, so I have to give him credit because I usually slag him off. So, um, yeah, I'll definitely give him some credit on this one because he did play well and he defended well too. We got a lot of people saying, gee, I wish I could have met you at the thing, you know, but yeah, this way, but, you know, unfortunately, didn't happen. Although, um, he catch did, up with Sky. Yeah, we got to meet, what, well, we probably met, Cruzy, like, you know, about 10 Nige. people. A lot of, a lot of, the, a lot of the Manly fans as well. Uh, a couple we haven't met before. Gillian well. and Aaron, of course. Yep, yep. And it was great. And it was a good bus to get onto the uh, the field at the end, eh? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Got a photo Loved laying it. on the hallowed turf. Yeah, Fantastic. Yep. <laughs> and uh, and uh, there was a guy that <laughs> wanted us to take a photo of him uh, signing, signing his name. Autographing on the, the goalpost. <laughs> autographing the goalpost. Of and course, we didn't partake in such uh, criminal behaviour. And uh, yeah, that and, and, it, and it didn't really actually happen, but it was hilarious. 
And uh, the guy didn't get caught and uh, he did it in black marker his face stuck out like dog's yeah. balls. <laughs> All right. Finally, Sunday night foot bitch. The Sydney Roosters, 40, defeated the Melbourne Storm, 8. The Roosters, they finished off a fairly positive last few weeks of the season with a commanding win over an admittedly very depleted Storm side. As the scoreline suggests, it's pretty much all Roosters, all game. Early tries to Leilua and the count before Matt Duffy pulled one back for the Storm. The game fell into a bit of a lull from that point before Aiden Guerra grabbed a try in the 38th minute and then right on the stroke of half-time, Leilua notched up his double to give the Chooks a solid half-time lead. Leilua got his hat-trick in the 48th minute like good wingers do, or even substandard ones apparently, and even his body gave up in protest, and immediately his body <laughs> gave up in protest and he went off injured. The Storm hit back shortly after and they like grabbed board, their final... Borderline park footballing <laughs> wingers do. Yeah, and, and Lottie, I mean, Lottie looks especially bad not having his hat-trick given this round of action. The Storm hit back shortly after and they grabbed their final points of the game with a try to Bow Champion. And from that point on, it was all Chookies, tries to Carney and Mitchell Pierce polishing off a 40 points to 8 victory. Nice way for the Chooks to finish the season. Apart from getting touched by, touched up by Manly a couple of rounds out from then, they, that was the only game they lost, I think, well, in that, the run they, home, wasn't it? was it? a game they identified that really changed their mindset heading heading to the back, back few games of the season, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, and Asta said as much himself, and they were a bit embarrassed by that loss to Manly, and they really turned things around despite what was going on off the field with them. Um, and we've got to mention this was another win without Todd Carney, and that's four in a row to finish a year. So yeah, so I see you later, motherfucker. Don't let the door hit your ass on the way well, out. Well, it it just it takes out the element of player power having a say in the decision. You know, you just don't think that that's going to happen behind the scenes. Well, the players certainly aren't begging for his his uh, retention now, and they're certainly not putting performance to get together that would indicate that they're pining for for their star playmaker to no. come back into the side. So no, I mean, if anything, is definitely a resolute. We don't need this fucking menace. Yeah, get exactly. They're really turning it on, and um, I think Pearson and Astor were really good, but Jake Friend's probably the big story out of a pretty ordinary year for the Roosters. He's yeah. he's come on in leaps and bounds. He's got his act together. Stayed off the booze and stuff. And he's he's been know, in, he hasn't been in any trouble I know all this year. Has he? On him, but up until this season, and and certainly in the last month or so, I haven't really seen. You know, the huge raps that have been no. on him and why people persisted with him with the problems he had off the field. And when he was drink driving or whatever he did last time, yeah. the early last season, I mean, he was sacked immediately. Yeah. And so, I mean, they sacked him quite quickly. I thought, okay, that's the end of him. But um, good on him. He's come back. He's come stayed back straight. He's, he's, you know, proven the detractors wrong and the people that believed in him, he's, he's proven them right. And he's haven't... I thought he's had a really positive season in what's been a season of very few positives for the Chookies after the Roosters have turned their season, season around too I mean yeah I mean it was a shit season overall but I mean when you look at their position on the table now now they're a team that's you know just fallen short of the eight rather than a team that was in contention for the spoon you yeah. know a month and a half ago like a month ago yeah yeah don't know that I'm going to read too much into the result as far as the Storm go they finished with only 14 fit players and, and started the game without Smith and Slater so um, I'm not sure that they were really keen to, to win this game they probably would have preferred to um, to keep the scoreline a bit closer and and be more competitive than what they were. But, geez, they, there was a bit of a rate of attrition there for a while where they lost a few fit bodies. And um, that obviously played a part in the Roosters running over the top of them and putting some more points on. So, um, again, it's, it's not something I'm going to read a huge amount into as far as the storm goes. I think they'll, you know, Bellamy said as much in the press conference after this game that... You know, as most of the coaches 
to Spruik. This is a whole new season now that the finals are here, and um, I would imagine the Storm will take that mindset into the final series and, and put this result behind them. It's a bit of a blip on their radar, and, and they'll kick on and, and probably win fairly fairly handily next week. I say so. I mean, like, you, let's look at the catalogue of players they had out. Mm. I mean, who were the three suspended? You know, you had Sisawanga, yep, Blair. Blair. Who's the other one? Was Nori out? Or did he get... Did he play? I can't remember. Can't remember. It was the third one. And then, um, and then, yeah, resting the other two. Then injuries throughout. The, I mean, you know, they were down to a bench of only Jamie one. Jamie Lowe was gone. Yeah. Widdop uh, hurt himself. He's Blair, hurt him, Blair, hurt him, Blair hurt himself. They had a bench of one player for most of the game. I mean, it was a bit of a touch-up, and maybe it was a bigger touch-up than it needed to be. But, yeah, I mean, I think there are a few, you know, mitigating circumstances. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to affect my tipping this week, I can tell you that <laughs> No, no, I, I still think, uh, well, we'll get on to that next. Uh, anything on Twitter for this one? Eddie NZ, while Manly and Melbourne have their valid reasons for losing, no one likes going into the final with a loss against them. Eh, maybe so. And I believe there is some statistic about about that, but, you know, you can make statistics, you know, prove anything, really. Sixty percent of people know that. Yeah, sixty percent of people are right, hundred percent of the time. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Previews: The finals, week one, season two thousand and eleven. Kicking off Friday Night Football, the Battle of 4th v 5th. The West Tigers versus the St. George Illawarra Dragons at their traditional homeland of ANZ Stadium. <laughs> you say Tigers to win because you support the Tigers. End of story. Yeah, definitely. I think clearly they need to improve um, on some of the performances they put in. Uh, certainly across 80 minutes of the last few games of the season, they're going to have to put an 80-minute performance together against the Dragons. The Dragons will, will lift on what they showed the last few months of the season. Um, and I think you can throw the form guide out the window. I think the Dragons will be their best. And the Tigers have to play the full 80 minutes um, and throw everything they can at the Dragons. I just I just think the Dragons have lost their aura. And I don't know that the Tigers are intimidated to be playing them. They know they can beat them. I don't think anyone's... In this day and age, during the finals, I don't think anyone's intimidated to be playing anyone, to be fair. Well, I'm not sure Newcastle's going to be overly confident against the Storm. I and I really I, but, don't think know, the Cowboys I, I, are going to be real confident against Manly. Yeah, but they've got the... They're in 7th and 8th, so they've got the nothing to lose, you know. There's no tomorrow. They might as well, you know, throw the kitchen sink in. Sure. I think the Tigers can win. I think they will win. And... I'm hoping it's not a close game. I'd like to just see him, you know, have a couple of minutes to go and be 13 in front and just cruise. I don't really need another heart, heart, heart attack rather in the uh, first week of the finals like last year. That just about killed me. Oh, controversial. I reckon the Dragons going to win. I think Dragons got the kind of game. I think they'll lift you know, the finals. If the, if the I'm Dragons not saying win it. and the Broncos win, yeah, Tigers play Broncos next week. Sweet. So for the purpose of me seeing an extra game of finals footy, <laughs> <laughs> sounds promising. Um, I think Dragons can win. I mean, Dragons are, are a team that, that, that does trouble. I mean, their style, I think, is a, is a contrast uh, and counter towards the West Tigers. Uh, even when the Dragons were in their alleged slump period, Tigers really only got a win, you know, just through some quick thinking, taking advantage of a, of a hobbled player on the field that couldn't defend 
you know, and I mean, if he had been swapped off the field by his staff, you know, the opportunity may never have presented themselves and they would have squeaked out a two-point two win or a four-point win, whatever they had. Um, so, you know, there was really nothing in that game. Um, yeah. And that was quite recently. And I mean, you know, the Tigers are as good as they were then, you know, slightly down on that last week. The Dragons certainly are better than they were in that game. So um, it's a real hard one to pick. And I mean, you know, it's easy to cop out in finals and go, well, gee, anyone can win because, you know, fucking pretty much anyone can win. Yeah. But um, I don't, well, I don't think... know that my tip's going to surprise anyone. So. No, you're t- I, I, I'm going to tip the Dragons. Not just not not being contrary to, to what you're saying. I think they can win. I don't think it's the end of the West Tigers, though. I mean, you know, by any means. But I think this game, I think the Dragons are just a good match matchup for them. So we'll see. Yes, we will. Super Saturday, the battle of third versus sixth. The Brisbane Broncos versus the New Zealand Warriors. No Hoffman. No, no Thide. Hoffman. No Thide. Justin Hodges returns, though. He does, and Jared Beal goes to fullback to, to cover for Hoffman. Ben Teo into the pack to cover for Thide. Hodges resumes his position in the centres. Tough game to pick. I'm going to have to go to the Broncos at home. The Beast returns for the Warriors, well, too. I've got, a, I've got a funny feeling about the Warriors, but I just I just can't go away from Lockie. From the it Lockie was, factor. Yeah, it, it was a very, very, very... I mean, well, you couldn't get a closer game last time they played, and it was only a couple of weeks ago. It was a big occasion for Lockie uh, when they did win, so did that lift the Broncos over the top of them? But now every occasion's a big occasion for Lockie because every game's his last game, essentially. Yeah. Once they, you know, essentially, once they lose, that's it for Lockie. Will that provide you know additional... You know, motivation or motivation or just you know lifting you know yeah will they implode I mean if they start getting behind will that sort of you know mentally you know implode them um, gee I, I'm going to tip Brisbane Broncos for no other reason than they're the home team that's yeah. the only reason I mean Warriors, Warriors traditionally are a massive do well. chance though, I think they do traditionally they traditionally the Warriors do okay in at Suncorp slash Lang Park uh, whereas they're not usually a travelling side they always seem to go okay there and they've certainly won their share of games there um I don't know, I just think, yeah. and the Broncos haven't been, see, I mean, the more I talk about it, I'm talking myself out of the Broncos. It's just like, I have to tip Broncos for the home, the home field advantage, and because I know they can be a more solid side than they've shown over the last month. Yeah. Um, but the Warriors, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. I think if Broncos are going to lose a game, it's going to be in the selections of Beal and Copley in the side. Yeah. I don't think they're going to lose anything, obviously with Jack Reed and Justin Hodges and yeah, No, absolutely not. Um, and and certainly through the side, Tio's a good player, he's a good cover for Friday, as good as you're going to get from yep. their squad. Um, and they're fairly solid, with the exception of those couple of boys at the back. Copley's had his issues with his hands, and Jared Beal um, isn't quite Josh Hoffman. So uh, if there's any area that's going to be exploited, it's with them. And I think the Warriors probably match up fairly well with the Broncos, and, and certainly a big chance in this game, but I'm going to stick with the Broncos. All right, Super Saturday, second versus seventh, the mighty Manly Sea Eagles versus the North Queensland Cowboys at the Fortress, where Manly were undefeated in all their games this season. Oh, no, at Sydney Football Stadium. <laughs> Brett Stewart, Kieran Foran in return, allegedly. Do they? Well, I'll believe, I'll believe the inclusion of Brett Stewart at 7.35pm on Saturday night, quite frankly. because 830 Oh, was that it's when... 8.30 they... start, so you need to name the team an hour yeah, before we finalised. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, 7.35, just to make sure it's locked and loaded. That's what I'm going to believe, that Brett Stewart's in the side. Uh, Hopper's named in the side as well. Uh, he was a last-minute omission last week as well. So, but especially for Brett Stewart, because <laughs> I received mail from someone who should know and told me that Brett Stewart wouldn't be back until the grand final. 
And then I've had other mail from people who should know saying that he's definitely back this week. So it's it's a really confusing situation. And and I don't know. I mean, well, you know, Brett Stewart probably knows. It would be the first time that he's been named in the side and then pulled out at the last second. It would happen start of the season. It happened like five games in a row, yeah. or, you know, sort of after, the, you know, from rounds five to ten or something. Um, so we'll see. Assuming that Brett Stewart and Hopper and Kieran Foran are in the side, well, Foran's definitely going to be in the side regardless. Hopper should be in the side regardless. It's going to be a much stronger side. Much stronger. Definitely. It, it brings back two of the three playmakers that we're missing. And therefore, you know, giving us uh, four out of five of our top playmakers, that being, uh, you know, Cherry, Brett Stewart, Kieran Four, and um, and Jamie Lyon. The only one missing would then be uh, Glenn Stewart. Uh, so I just, I just can't see the Cowboys even getting within Cooey of Manly. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like it to be a, ma- a massive ass whipping. I'm not going to lie. I don't want to stress. I don't want any stress. I don't want any possibility of you know Matty Bowen doing some ridiculous hundred meter shit. Yeah. You know, down or Thurston. Th- yeah, or Thurston down the back end of the game. Um, I want to win well. Like the last time we played them in a finals game, uh, we smashed them pretty easily to get into the grand final in 2007. Um, I think the Cowboys are certainly a better side then, and we were and we weren't as good as we are now then. Um, I can't see anything other than Manly winning. And that's, I mean, I know I'm biased. Thurston would have to have, if I use a rugby league week um, scoring analogy, they have to have a nine. An 11. <laughs> <laughs> I think a nine, and the Cowboys play off the back of that, and they, and they give themselves every chance of winning the game. If he's anything below that, I think the Eagles will win it fairly convincingly. Now, Scott's been named. He'll be tra- He'll be travelling with the side or... There's still he's he can't be a hundred percent right because I know that uh, Glenn Hall was at the captain's call uh, yeah. earlier in the week. The reason for that Why was, wasn't Thurston or Scott there. Thurston Thurston was going to the Dallium, so for some oh, reason yeah. he was you know not going to do any extra additional travel. Scott wasn't there because he couldn't travel because of his back. Okay, so he's that touchy wow. and that touch and go. So if he plays, it might be easy to put him out with a decent hit. Mate, the fact that they've yeah, I guess there's that. He might be needled. The fact that they finished. Seventh, yeah, he'll play. They'll needle him up. Well, do whatever yeah. they have to do to There's get no him. There's no tomorrow. The There's no tomorrow if they don't win. Yeah, exactly. And Dallas Johnson returns. So, you know, how much of a difference he'll make? I guess we'll find out. Oh, he'll make a difference to the side. I just, I think if um, if Manly get him, they'll make, you know, the, f- the foundation will be laid through the middle. But I think when they get him, it'll be it'll be out a bit wider. The wingers and like, let's face it, suspect on the high balls. And Manly love chucking out a high kick for Matai out on the left and, and, you know, for Jamie or whoever out on the right. Sure. So, um, and, and if Hopper's out, playing outside of Jamie yeah. in this and, game, I mean, Hopper loves high if, ball. if Brett Stewart does play, him chiming into the back line out wider there, yep. he's a big key for and he will, And he will basically... Not sure the Cowboys will defend that particular He'll, he'll basically play the role of his brother on the right, I reckon, the way he chimes in and creates the extra man. Starts fights and stuff. We started fights. Stewart's never started a fight in their entire lives. <laughs> Not even with each other when they were children, playing with their Legos. <laughs> All right, then finally, Super Sunday, or Slaughter Sunday, as it will become to be known. The Melbourne Storm versus the Newcastle Knights in Melbourne. The Knights. <laughs> Little bunch of Aussie battlers just trying to make their way in a tough, harsh NRL final series. Correct. That's what they are, and that's what they're trying to do. But This will be a... F- Look, if the Knights were to win this game, Yep. Possibly the biggest upset NRL finals 
since since when since the last time Melbourne lost in the first round when they were minor premiers. Who was that? Warriors. Two thousand eight Warriors. That was a fucking boil over. Too. I think two thousand eight Warriors were a better side than two thousand eleven Newcastle Knights. Yeah, I'd say so. Newcastle have punched above their weight for this entire season. The fact they made it into the eight, especially with the momentum that the Rabbits were coming in, I mean, everyone, everyone thought it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to be in the finals. Punching above their weight. Their hypothetical girlfriends are like Jennifer Hawkins <laughs> and Heidi Klum. Yeah. To the power of Angelina Jolie. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but far they're punching above their weight. But congratulations, Newcastle Knights, on getting, on the, getting in the finals. Bad luck, it's going to end so viciously. The Melbourne Storm been down lately. They lost two in a row. This, this last one wasn't really, you know, there was certainly a lot of uh, mitigating circumstances around that. The one before, that was smashed badly by Manly. Um, I think that they're going to be looking to make a final statement. They don't want to be playing next week. They want a week off. You know, start getting some, uh, especially if they've got some players that are a bit touchy with injury like Blair and, and I don't know, what's the diagnosis, diagnosis on Widop? How long is he out for? I have not heard the prognosis. He's not back this week. I no, know he that. definitely hasn't been so, in the side this week. So the extra week might, you know, make all the extra fortnight rest might make all the difference to get him back in the side. So I think it's pretty important. They for will to miss win. him. Oh, absolutely. Um, Blair's played five eighth for them this season though. Yeah. And it was a game they won. So, you know, they. Could... Oh, he's a solid player, and they're yeah. not going to look on look to him for a huge amount of playmaking um, ability, given the fact that Cooper Cronk and Cameron Smith are inside, and, and Billy Slater's playing off the back of them. So. Uh, Blair's there purely for his defensive work and um, and just be a bit of a link man to the outside backs, which he's more than capable of being. Yep. Um, Storm, 13 plus. Fucking yeah, easy. definitely. I, I think it's, as much as it's a bit of a tough way for the Knights to go out, I, I think they've had a, a really positive season and there's good things ahead given the fact that Bennett's coming to coach him next year and Fluffy's coming along with him in a little basket. <laughs> um, but, you know... They'll give a reasonable account of themselves. Um, they've got enough forwards to to uh, get a bit of a roll on if, if Melbourne allow it and, and things go their way. I don't think they'll get absolutely obliterated, but um, they'll lose fairly comfortably. 13 plus, no doubt. That's full time for episode number 64. As always, you can interact with us on Twitter. So follow at TWI League on Facebook. We're still looking for that target of 800 by season's end. So everybody tell one friend to hit that like button and we'll uh, freaking smash it. Some of you will have to tell two friends because there are a few of our Tour Nation members that don't have any friends. We're their only friends. We're their helpline. I th- I reject that statement completely. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you say that about uh, our our valued listeners? iTunes, keep the reviews coming. I was trying to see if we had any new re- new reviews today, and iTunes was having issues with rankings. It looked like it had lost all our reviews. However, you looked and they were still there. So. Yeah, it was it was all there on mine. So yeah, was... it must have been a server issue with iTunes. Well, we know. didn't have any new reviews, so maybe it was fucked. Possible. I did a bit of a quick look on Google, and there were a couple of people complaining about it. But you know, it's hard to know. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't complain mm. i had a look around at some other podcasts and they'd also been eradicated down to nothing yeah. so not sure what the deal is there hopefully would they all come back or don't go anywhere as, as per you know what you saw the website become a mighty member of the tool nation by signing up at this week in league.com um 
Now, where will we go next with this? Tipping, ESL tipping. As has happened for about the last five weeks, no change whatsoever in the standings. Richter tips are still number one by plenty over the other one, who's slightly over the top of Warrior Bunny, who's a point over the top of, War- of Tiger Benji, who's a couple of points ahead of me in fifth, and you're still in seventh, as it's always been. Cool, Sam. NRL tipping. Mucho changes. Freako 9 in the lead on differential. So he's tied on points, but ahead on differential from Fabsy, who was the leader for the entire season. Now she's in second place. Mm. Bronco Ringo, six games back in third. Me, fourth, one game further back. And me. Tied for fifth. Bobby Bronco and Greg Inglis ate my baby. Tied four games back from me. You dropped a point this week. You're down to 27th. Fuck, there goes my charge. Yeah, I don't know who you tipped. Yeah, you went from 36th to 26th in about three weeks. I think I tipped Penrith. Well, you deserved it then. I love an upset. <laughs> it's my internal love of upsets. Uh, punt Club had some issues. Do you want to go into it? Oh, we'll touch on it. They're, um, the bookie that was bankrolling Punt Club uh, went into liquidation, much to the surprise of Punt Club themselves and the good people, namely Jason, who um, was flying around like a chook with his head cut off trying to answer all the queries from people who thought their money had gone down the drain. Um, they have since put a hell of a lot of work into uh, partnering up with another reputable bookie, which is far more reputable than the bookie that proved uh, to be not particularly reputable at all. Um, and all of the monies in the punt clubs, you know, of which we have the podcast one, which is contributed to by the good people at Punk Club and also one through my place of employment, which is funded wholly and solely by the members of the, that Punk Club. Um, all those monies will be honoured. And um, and all the listeners that have a Punk Club will be yeah, honoured. Will be honoured. And that's good news. I was a bit worried there for a moment, but um, they came through and, and it's a good result for everyone. And um, I'm looking forward to putting one hell of a multi yeah. on this week. And people and people need to uh, if they do have a punk club, they need to log in and um, you would have got a, an email yeah. via punk club and we encourage everyone to get in, log in, follow the prompts so um, you can ensure that your club is f- funded accordingly. Yeah, and finally, don't forget to enter the Jabra Finals Fantasy Competition. Free to enter, and you can win a piece of the fifteen hundred bucks worth of prizes. Get yourself a Bluetooth wireless Jabra Sport. Headset. Uh, I can't wait to get one of these things to uh, have a crack and uh, take them out on the road, see how they go in a real situation. Um, for more reports, and as I saw them on Engadget the other day, um, all reports that the sound quality on Jabra stuff is traditionally very good. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. To enter the competition, go to our site. Um, if you're listening... Does if it actually improve the sound? Like, would we sound like Sven? No. Oh. No. A shame. But our... Our crap show would um, be crystal clear. Crystal clear. I'm not sure if that's a good thing. No, probably not. So don't listen to us through. If you're one of the guys lucky enough to win it, or if you just go out and buy one when they when they hit the stores, don't listen to the show with them. Listen to something good. Is that what you're saying? I think so. I just think if, if people can actually hear us too clearly, they'll realise just how much crap we carry on with. Take some of the magic away. Yeah. All right. You say magic, I say crap. All right. That's it for me this week. That's it for me too. Go those Tigers. Go Manly. Week off. Yeah.
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.